Ready, aim, release! Anyone see my mammoth? Hello! We are here again. Uh, it is another week. Um, I'm still Mickey. That man over there is still Carlo, although we all wish it wasn't. And um, we're this week joined by a very special guest, uh, Belisarius, who I will move between calling him Belisarius and Kurt, who's above me today. Um, how are you doing today, Kurt? I'm doing fabulous. Happy to be here, Mickey. Good, good. I'm, I'm glad that you're happy to be here. Otherwise, unlike all the other guests who are never happy to be here and feel pressured <laughs> into doing so. <laughs> um, Carlo. Like me. Yeah, like, me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like this guy. Um, how are you doing this week, Carlo? Good. Does everybody... Did you know that today's episode is sponsored by King, a.k.a. Nigel from Dead Meta, who I wrongly ascribed the other week to be Alan uh, Technic. Too many people, Discord names, YouTube names, stats names, got them confused. My bad. Alan and Nigel are actually sworn enemies, not even not even not even friends uh yeah nigel got so sick of my shitty internet connection that he sent me some things to boost my internet connection so (laughs) if my internet is improved today we can all thank nigel and if it's not we can all blame nigel because no good deed goes unpunished i (laughs) so there we go Surely we blame Alan if it doesn't work, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. If, if if my internet doesn't work and I cut out, then it's Alan's fault. Yeah. And if it does work, it's all thanks to Nigel from <laughs> Dead Metal Gaming and Gaming Figs. So, Legends. good stuff. I could have sworn you were going to say sponsored by Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks, thanks, Kurt. That reminded me. We're also sponsored by... <laughs> um, yeah, no. Hopefully, uh, hopefully... Hopefully it's all good. Martin saying is the only one getting a bit of robot on the audio. I hope it's not you. It's definitely not me. It might be me. Yeah. Um, Who knows? It might be, might be my new uh, my, my new amazing internet actually, you know, like mm-hmm. gives audio or something and we haven't prepared for it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, then. So um, we will uh, we'll dive in to the main meat and potatoes of today which is as people can probably see on this image right here um this is the faction packs the 2021 faction packs for a song of ice and fire that have been delivered to the uk does this now mean that we can play the new version of the game which version you print out a few playing cards. The, we play, right? playing the cards, or we playing the War Council app version, or we oh, playing. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, this is this is the ever going meme in the UK is finally over. Except more on that in a second. Uh, the faction packs actually have arrived. Now, there is a significant issue with the arrival of the faction packs. If anyone looks at this image, and you will count the number of factions, Carlo is in fact right. If you disclude Greyjoys who didn't have a faction pack, there are six other factions in the game. Uh, for some reason, the All UK... All factions got their faction packs. Yeah, we... we yeah, there's nothing missing. There's nothing... Yeah, there's no factions missing here. Um, memes aside, yeah, the neutral faction pack didn't arrive in the UK. 
No um, way. It's not just one random store. No store got them for some reason. Which is really weird because of all of the ones that we'd have thought would be want to be bought, neutrals would be the one because, like... Yeah, I, I really wonder if maybe they sold out. Like, they actually just gave them to other people and they already sold out because they were the most wanted one. Bit awkward. And, uh, uh, how, long, uh, how long have you had them in the US? Oh, gosh. We got ours, like, a couple months ago. A few months ago. Six months ago, maybe. Okay. I won't say anything. The, uh, don't, don't, don't hold me to a hard date. I can tell you when these were shipped, if you want, because we've got an image there. This was actually taken from an image of the box that these were, they came in. These are both from uh, Gavin up in uh, Redka, gaming figures. That was the date that this was shipped. Uh, that's the 3rd of May, 2021. Uh, it's the 25th today. They arrived yesterday, the 24th. So that puts us basically an entire year behind schedule um yeah which is so weird because you guys are like <laughs> go on you guys are like ahead of schedule on some releases like you got um what was it that just came out um like the hero box threes already right yeah yeah, yeah. but we don't have I mean... those yet so you're ahead of us on that I, I I saw I saw small council radio refer to them as leaks, like <laughs> what? And they were like, "Yeah, anything that's not that anything that's ahead of its release date is a leak." I'm like, "What is a release date with Simon? <laughs> like, we have them. Nobody robbed them. Nobody imported them. They were given to our stores to sell. That's a release date. Like, they're out." Yeah. Um. It's uh, it's pretty. I mean, we're not going to sit here and just bash Seam on releases, but I mean, this one was given to me on a platter. But why not? So... <laughs> yeah, exactly. But why not? Um... It is always hard to know whether to throw it at the feet of Simon or Asmodee or whoever. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. this. I will say that I think shipping this particular shipment. I mean, I'm hesitant to put it at Asmodee or even Simon's feet for this particular one. Because there's, I can't see there's, there's no possible way that this has been sat in a Chinese ware, uh, like workshop, warehouse, whatever, for an entire year. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I like don't somebody did something with this box on May the third, yeah. two thousand and one. Yeah. <laughs> somebody <laughs> put it somewhere. <laughs> um, and it might have just been that, like, obviously shipping problems. We know about that, that with COVID and issues and stuff, uh, which has restarted again because of the issues over in China again and, and Japan. Um, so there's all kinds of problems over there uh, again with it. So it might be likely that we see more delays. Uh, that's no one's fault, really. That's still COVID to some extent. But like we've always said here, you can't just blame COVID for everything. Um, if these have they really been checking up on this box for an entire year being like where's that shipment where's that shipment where's that shipment or have they just been kind of like ah it's delayed that'll do i don't know um anyway that's uh that's the first sad bit of news they've um, arrived they've arrived whatever they arrived. you know like yeah. the uk can stop saying you know i UK can stop using it as an excuse that, like, oh, I'll get my club back together once the faction packs arrive, or I'll start playing again once the faction packs arrive. Just, just play, guys. Just play. <laughs> yeah, just play. <laughs> it's not going to get any better than this. Mm -hmm. Um, 
In other news, we also saw some... We talked about last week, Highgarden Pikemen and Riders of Highgarden and all now coming out. Uh, we'll talk about those a bit later on anyway uh, with yourself, Kurt. You are a Brathian player after all. Uh, I imagine you have some nice things to say about Brathian units getting released. Hell yeah. Yeah? Good. Someone has to. <laughs> um, uh, randomly, uh, as you all know, I'm a free foot player, so I bought a box of neutral uh, Golden Company crossbowmen. I have to say, I quite like the sculpts. I know that most people don't. I do. Um, I saw some painted um, straight out of straight out of Hong Kong or Singapore or whatever, um, and I was surprised at how good they looked painted. Better than a zero. And, well, no, better than the minus <laughs> one I gave the three D renders. <laughs> right. Okay. Fair. They are. <laughs> If anyone, if anyone is interested, if you've got Thorn Watch as like a general comparison, they are very similar to Thorn Watch, and Thorn Watch are generally speaking quite liked as models. I would, I don't know if I would directly say they are them, but they are comparable to them, uh, in the same ballpark in the aesthetic and design. So, yeah, uh, there's there's something to be said about them. I quite like them, uh, and I'm painting. I'm gonna have them and paint them up for my neutral army. Um, and also because I know that any eight point inf any eight point range unit that's as shit as them when they look like that is going to definitely receive a buff in the next patch. <laughs> I mean, Mickey just dropped two lies simultaneously. I will have them for my neutral army, doesn't exist, and B, I will paint them. Lie number two. Yeah, <laughs> there were two lies that he just snuck into that conversation. Let's just be clear. I uh, I, I will have you know. Uh, and this is pretty bad. I now own a unit of uh, Bolton Bastard Girls, of course, and both hero boxes, and two units of Cutthroats, two units of Stormcrow Mercenaries, some Blackguard, some Stormcrow Mercs, and some Golden Company Crossbowmen. The only thing I'm missing is the obligatory infinite number of Flayed Men that you actually need to run a neutral list. So, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm getting into a second faction. I heard, uh, I heard neutrals are hard, so... Uh... I paint up some Lannisters instead. Anyway, um, <laughs> all right. So, on to the main, the actual main part of today, which is uh, Kurt. You're from the U.S. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm a filthy Yank. What can yeah. I say? You said it, not me. Right, we're, uh, I, 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 I dissolve and wash my hands of any anti-U.S. <laughs> statements made on this show today. Carlo will make some, and it's his fault. But you know. Yeah, absolutely. Fine. Oh, the U.S. and Brits are closest to friends, right? Yeah. <laughs> Keep your uh, we friends all kick, We all kick Germany's butt together, so it's win-win. Or, you know, don't when it comes to games. Alright, <laughs> 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 uh, so um, we've obviously seen Baratheons doing very well. Um, uh, when I say very well, we are going to talk about just how well they've been doing later on when we look at some more events. Um, but uh, but yeah, you you ran some Brathians at one of the U.S. national qualifiers over in the U.S. Strangely enough, um, at Fabricates Forge, um, that was your your ground of choosing where you decided to uh, go and stomp on some people and ultimately <laughs> get a qualifying spot for nationals, which is fantastic. Um, Brathians have fallen down a little bit. They're they're not at the heady heights that they were just a couple of days ago. Um, I believe they were. Look at that! Oh God, they're dropping. Posting five straight losses. <laughs> five absolute straight losses. But yeah, I mean, we're talking. They were like like four, uh, thirty-four or thirty-five points, couple of points clear of Night's Watch. 
Um, couple of sad losses. Maybe, maybe, maybe Brathians aren't very good. Everyone's already fixed them. Maybe this episode's already late. Oh well, what too, can we do? Yeah, a week too late. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, for the briefest of moments, we took the number one spot, and I was yeah. my mind instantly went to uh, Cornwall surrendering at Yorktown and the British band playing "The World Turned Upside Down." <laughs> All right, there's my only one of those for the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but like, it didn't last, obviously. Um, and data, as we know, takes time to accumulate and to give us. Um, like a real bearing of where things where things lie, and you can't go off of just like outliers or one or two. <laughs> uh, yes, essentially, it's ever since they came mm-hmm. out. I started out as Lannister, um, and my buddy mainly played Starks, and so that's where I started out. And then when the Baratheons came out, my favorite characters from the books were the Baratheons. I loved Stannis and Davos a lot, so they were the natural progression for me. And I already kind of was more of like a defensive player anyway. I liked mm-hmm. to run Lannister Guardsmen all the time, so the three three up armor save was like my bread and butter. Yeah. And uh, and in your mind, uh, do you think they're in the best place that they've ever been? Do you think do you think they're the, they're the most powerful they've ever been? Yes, uh, undoubtedly. Yes. <laughs> I don't think there's even a question. That's good. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad that's the answer. Um. And and so in your mind, would you put them at least in the conversation for the top? Or do you think that there's something clearly better than them, in your own opinion? Um, yeah, I think Night's Watch is still number one. I don't, I, mm-hmm. It's going to take more than just crossbows getting nerfed and their ancillary, you know, tie-ins for them to lose that, you know, that foothold. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think they're, I think they're definitely higher than I re- initially thought they would be coming out of the the balance patch that came out just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I figured they'd be like top middle of the pack, like in fourth maybe. So I'm surprised to see them ahead of factions like the Free Folk and the Targaryens because they'll consider those, you know, premier factions. Uh, one thing I I do think we have going for us is I think we have so many good commanders available right now. Whereas like look at Free Folk and it's like they have Mance and nothing else. I mean, we have I I used Penrose. Um, I I always love running Stannis one. Stannis two is really good. Uh, Elden's solid. Loris is a great commander. It's like we have so many good choices that I think we really benefit from that. Well, it's kind of like a like a kind of shoeing off the back of that conversation. Um, we'll talk about your lists later on, but uh, one of the things that we've seen more recently is actually the discussion of rather than do you run a Brathian list like this or do you run a Brathian list like that. But we're actually seeing the more plug-and-play style, which Carlo spoke about with Lannisters in his Lannister breakdown, where you you basically have a list that you've already got formulated at six or seven or eight activations, and it's just plugging the right commander in for the feel, for the extra bits here and there. So the six activation like Courtney that we're seeing is also six activation Elden that we've seen. Is also six activation Loras that we've seen. Is very different take, but the Stannis side lists of the Stannis Queen's men is Stannis Queen's Mel. It's like mixing up your four combat units to get the right balance with Mel, with Jack and maybe with Axel, you know, mixing up. Usually it always goes back to Stannis two as being the most popular. Um, but we are seeing very much almost like a plug and play style with the commanders a little bit, which is interesting. Um, it tells me that you're right in terms of like, most of the commanders are actually fairly equivalent 
uh, in terms of power level. Um, but maybe maybe that'll change. Maybe someone will find something that's a commander that's not so good, <laughs> or a commander that's amazing. You know. Um, your, I, as I discussed uh, yeah. the other week, I think that the Iron Resolve, the Iron Resolve, and, uh, and the Iron Resolve Dauntless combo that Stannis. I, I always forget actually. Stannis one, two, two. Stannis two. Stannis two rings. Um, in combo with Queen's Men, I do I do find as really really a nasty nasty unit in terms of uh, getting it off the board. It's back to it, it's really back to flipping the script in terms of like that's what like friendly Rose Knights used to be. It used to be a unit that it's just it, it's not worth trying to fight. You just you just want to minimize its impact on you because most of the time I found that most most armies currently aren't tooled towards beating it. Do you think that do you think that the meta in your area, the players that you play, do you think that they have adapted to the new strength of the Baratheons? Do you think that there is still adaption that needs to happen to basically armor now being effectively viable with probably like the 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 complete lack of dragons that we're seeing and 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 the reduction in really, really high volume damage from the Night's Watch, right? So do you think that there's an ad adaptation that needs to happen there? And have you seen any kind of changes in your local player base? Yeah, absolutely. 100%. I think we'll still see the meta shift. The ways to counter armor today are still the same ways that you countered armor in the past, whether that be better mobility, hitting them in the flank to drop their armor value, or auto wounds, dragons sundering damage through panic effects those those elements of the game are still present um with regards to champions of the stag specifically with their two-up armor save i think mm -hmm. i i think i got kind of lucky in that just where the meta is right now wasn't necessarily accounting for high armor and i think it was just like right time right place right right feel um you, th you see People have started shying away from uh, Night's Watch Builder Crossbowmen, and those were a great long-range sundering option that could really put a lot of damage into champs before they could get across the field, plodding around at speed four. Uh, Mother of Dragons obviously hardly ever sees play now, but would still eat up a Baratheon list like it was nothing. Um, and uh, like every faction has options, and I'm not, I'm not necessarily. Mm -hmm the expert for every faction. So I might throw out ideas of like, as a Baratheon player, like, oh, this might scare me. And then someone else could always come in and say like, well, actually, like Mickey did this the other day. I'm like, I feel like Mag the Mighty would, and Giants would give me a hard time. And then Mickey's like, well, I don't know if I would actually use Mag the Mighty. I think I have a better option running some kind of variation of Mance. Or I, I, I threw out Great Axes for Starks, but a lot of Stark players is like, oh, I still wouldn't use Great Axes. I would use this other option instead whatever that may be, totally Cavaliers, what have you. Um, so I think there are definitely, I, 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 don't, I don't see high armor taking first and like being the unbeatable meta, you know, in, in the way that Mother of Dragons or Othel crossbows were previously. I think it's another tool to have in, the, in your back pocket and it'll play well into some things and it'll play worse into other things. No, that's reasonable. What, what's your what's your least favorite matchup right now? <sighs> um, ironically, probably I have to I have to throw some some props to Lannisters. They're really frustrating for Baratheons to play into. They have 
I know Carlos shaking his head. Um, no, they've got they I, have I, good I, armor I, values. I played honest as the other day. They're, they're garbage. They're yeah, garbage. I, no, counterplot has counterplot has value, and you do a lot of damage through panic. Uh, knights or um, free folk can do this as well, uh, just pushing damage through via panic, and then the control elements of of the Lannister deck and NCU's can be really frustrating for a Baratheon player. If you block our ours of the Furies, and we don't have Kingsmen, or if you or if you counter my tactical approach or my overgrowth, those are the best cards I have in my deck. And if you knock those out, that's a real a real bummer as a Baratheon player. Um, personally, I hate playing into Night's Watch. That's just because I personally don't like Night's Watch. I have a bias towards them, and I freely admit to that. Um, at least you know I'm being honest with you. <laughs> so take anything I say with a grain of salt there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I feel like Lannisters, despite being on the bottom right now, are a faction that can give Baratheon some trouble. Mm -hmm. It's It's certainly interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously look at it a lot of it from from a from a free folk perspective. When I play the game, when I think about the game, right, it's, it is my main faction. I know, right, Carlo? Awful. Um, <laughs> but here we I, go off our free folk conversation. No, no, no. It's it's just one of those things. I still don't look at Baratheons as a major concern, outside of basically someone running Mel and Jacken together, purely because you know I can make my entire army five plus morale. Sure. But just taking that many 7-plus tests, I'm going to fail some of them. And if I fail enough of them, my army does just run away. Um, you know, And there isn't much you can do to prevent that uh, outside of prioritizing certain zones like bags and things or, or playing for regroup and reform or crastering, whatever. But anyway, I don't think of it as a major concern playing like the, the, the double Champions of Stag list. I'm not, I don't care. But then I look at the way that people play, and I'm like, well, if people are trying to kill these things, as you were saying before, it's fucking hard. <laughs> like, it really is fucking hard. Like, in the nicest possible sense, most things running into the front of a, an armor 2 unit, even if you've got Sundering, it's still like armor 3s, and you've generated like 6 hits. You might do a couple of wounds, and then you start kicking in the healing that Brathian do have, especially, um, we'll get onto the, the, the card changes in a second, but some of the new card changes you've got, I think, are phenomenal for Brathian. Actually, I didn't realize how impactful those card changes would be. You still have the worst card in the game, but the other cards being actually playable and good is is really important. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, it, it, it's uh, it's you know, it's a long way off, and uh, you you want to keep you keep your secrets, but. Uh... We we hope we hope you'll uh, be taking up that national spot. I think uh, you think you'll be sticking with Brathians. You're feeling confident to be able to take them into strong qualifying field and uh, take them all the way. Yeah, I'll, I'll run Brathians um, if for no other reason than just loyalty to the faction. I ran Brathians last year at nationals, despite Brathians being terrible. I mm -hmm. ran them at uh, at the LVO, despite Brathians being objectively terrible. Um, I did manage to beat a Mother of Dragons list, so that was like, you know, my pride and joy crowning achievement. I, <laughs> I vaguely remember that happening, I think, and everyone was like, yeah. what, what? That was last year, wasn't it? I think. Was that last year? Was that this? No, it was um, last year, wasn't it? January? That... It, was, uh, it was a few months remember. ago. Yeah, it was, it was January. It was January, this January. It was like I around think. the time of the, of the AFC Championship game. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, I judge I, everything in like a sports timeline. So. <laughs> Honestly, it feels like a long time ago now. Probably like last week, and it was like, oh, it's like five months ago. Um, life, life is awful. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, it's cool. It's cool that you're going to run Baratheons. Uh, I do have a question that Marwyn has been desperately trying to to ask, and uh, he's asked multiple times now the same question. He won't let it go. As a Stannis supporting Chad, do you believe he will take the Iron Throne or the Lord Commander spot in the Night's Watch or something else? No. <laughs> I think uh, or if he if he does, it'll be like extremely briefly before you know the the more popular characters come rolling in. Um, I think he'll go down fighting. I think I. He's totally going to pull an Alexander Nevsky against the phrase um, outside of Winterfell. Spoiler alert, everyone. Um, with the battle on the ice that's coming up, and they're going to fall through the ice and drown. And so, and I, I think he'll even take Winterfell. Um, and then I think potentially after that, he could turn back north to face the White Walkers and meet his end there. Or if he pushes south, maybe he gets to the Iron Throne. Maybe he unseats Cersei, but then maybe Fagon or Danny rolls in, and who knows? If the books even ever come out. That's, I mean, that's <laughs> a very good point. I mean, at this, at this point, what you've said is probably more than the books have been written. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's, that's a decade's worth of that's a decade's worth of release right there. <laughs> We've been waiting. <laughs> Does GR, GRM, RM watch the show? Because I think he's got some content that he might be able to write down for the next hey, couple of months. I have tips for Stannis if you want them anytime, George. <laughs> Um, oh, cool. Awesome. Um, so, the Brathian, we'll talk about the Brathian cards, and we'll also talk about something else while we're here, because it's here, and people didn't know. I thought people knew, people didn't know. It shows you how bad I do my job, because my job is to make sure people know these things. Um, Carlo added the Hero Box 3 content and the releases uh, that we've just had in the UK um, to the builder. So, if we'll use Brathians as an example. Oh, no. Baratheons had the yeah, Baratheons had releases. Um, we can just go down and they have, they're sort of there. But Pikemen and Riders of High Garden, for example, are all on there. Um, let's just stop by and put Carlo's favorite attachment in the game uh, into a unit of his new list that he's going to run at. Uh, he's going to run this at Gen Con. He's going to have where is he? Kyburn in a unit and then have Robert Strong as an attachment in one of the others. Um, this is this Carlo's. Uh, but yeah, they're all there. Um... Kevin, Kevin and Adam. Kev, Kevin and Adam are both pretty fun new commanders. Definitely, definitely got a place in the Lannisters with those guys. Mm-hmm. But uh, but anyway, yeah. So Riders High Garden, all of those things, they're all on there if you want to make uh, lists. Um, images are coming. I am sorting the images out. Um, Carlo was away at the weekend, so uh, when I was going to message him, I was like, ah, oh, wait, he's away. So I was going to get the details for the sizes of things because i wanted to double check some stuff but uh i'll sort that this week so hopefully by this weekend um because it's bank holiday weekend as well i get the monday as well to work on it um hopefully by this weekend we'll have some images on there as well for those people like them anyway um the new how, about, cards... how about the um the pikeman and the uh oh yeah riders of high garden are they are they going to be a big impact do you think for you on the Renly side, or feel like actually the Baratheons are currently, you know, really excelling at their lower activation count, higher armor, higher durability, 
and that this new aggressive Renly style is actually almost a trap. I think the Highgarden Pikes will fit great in a Stannis list. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Rules as written, baby. Um, no, <laughs> on a serious note. Um, I, I think it'll be a nice change of pace. Um, I think the Baratheon faction can benefit from having different playstyles that it can lean into, whether that be a lore-based list for Stannis versus uh, a non-faith-based list. Um, Renly's side, I think, was previously viewed as the kind of, like, healing, survivability, grindy side. I think that's kind of shifted now to where Stannis side with the Queensmen and, um, like, camps and everything like that. Um, they've got more survivability now. And I think the Renly side could really benefit from speedier units and um, some, some units with some offensive punch. I don't think it's going to, like, shift the meta, though. I mean, those... Those riders of Highgarden will suffer the same downsides that Tully Cavaliers and Nice Castle Rock suffer. You throw a you throw a weakened token on them and they're hitting on fours, no rerolls, bad news bears. They don't have the survivability that they Tully Cavaliers do if they get stuck in and melt. I do um I do think like on on that kind of note, I played uh, played a couple of games against pikemen and riders so far already. And um, it was evidentially clear that the biggest issue for them is got nothing to do with the units themselves, but the lists in which they appear. And this isn't the builds that I've seen people use them in. It's it's a fundamental problem that Renly has in that I actually think they, in order for them to work and do what they need to do, you need to be at eight activations. Because if you, the moment you are not out activating your opponent or at least going pair for pair with them, you can't set up these charges effectively. Um, and if you get if you get charged, and these guys get wrapped up in combat for both the pikemen and the the riders, pikemen have got a little bit more longevity, but the riders have none whatsoever. Um, they just die, and you don't have activation. Oh, not activation. Sorry, you don't have action efficiency that much with Baratheons. Meaning you can't even just like pull the riders out to get a charge elsewhere, because usually you're just going to get them tied up again. You're not. You very rarely get them free to do what you want. Um, so I do think that for these to work and for these to see the play that they need to play and actually for them to do the job they need to do, you need to be running an eight activation list. And that's actually one of the few things that we've seen Baratheons struggle the most with is hitting high activation lists because they tend not to do well. Um, so, yeah, it's... But as you point out, easy e easy on the Stannis side with a couple of Dragonstone Nobles along with the High Garden stuff is absolute absolute winner there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's been all. That's been the the tale of Baratheons ever since the 2021 update. They've really struggled to get up there in activations. Renly side doesn't even have a four point option for the field. Um, neither neither Renly nor Stannis have access to Relentless. Um, so they they they've never felt good trying to push up to eight. <laughs> I pretty much exclusively run them at seven, and it's just like, well, I'm going to be down in activations, and I'll just have to try to get around it some other way because running eight never feels good. Um, I don't; it's like basically almost impossible for Renly to hit eight. Um, but I defer on that because I'm I'm mainly a Stannis side. Hey, is this even possible? Yeah, you can run a nine activation list if you take Eldon, Courtney, Shira, Errol, Alistair, Florin, and Marjorie Terrell as NCUs, and then run four units of Highgarden Pikemen with a commander in them. 
I'm sure that's fine. There, not, there you go. List Mickey when like the vast majority of them like either pass at the start of the round or or they don't even get to activate at all. <laughs> you can you just you just set up for this not these these last these last four activations that you've got are going to be super impactful while you lose all of the tempo at the start of the round. Um, yeah, no, don't don't do that. If anyone does run a five activation, a nine activation, five NCU Brathian list, <laughs> and, and wins a game of someone who's even remotely skilled, um, I, I I will give you applause live on Tony Grabs because uh, no, that's not a thing. <laughs> um, I'll give it a shot. Carlo always Carlos always says activations are king, so you know it should work, right? Put it to the test. <laughs> um, so the actual the actual deck then as we're getting on to. The the two significant changes, obviously there was the change to Final Strike with that now uh, not requiring the unit to be alive, finally. Ah, see, double pun thing there. Um, and I still, no one understood why that card was named what it was when it didn't do the thing that it was supposed to do. Um, everyone's happy that it's changed. It's a much better change. Uh, free folk everywhere are laughing because steer just got better because you just go. I mean, I was about to say, I don't yeah. think everybody is happy that it changed. <laughs> oh, oh no, everybody's happy that it changed, Carlo. Um, yeah, just go and throw a unit of raiders in there, take 12 wounds, and go, it's 12 minus one hits back. Thank you very much. Um, but no, it is, it's a good change, obviously. Um, and uh, the two big ones, though, Brathian Justice changing to just be literally nothing like it was and the other big one uh brathing conviction being quite literally nothing like it was uh brathing conviction is in fact quite literally nothing like it was except the trigger is the same i believe um and it's plus not... they no longer share a trigger those two cards right yeah. they used to both be on a pass morale test hey now if i remember rightly brathing conviction was uh, pass a morale test from a melee attack, if I remember rightly. It was yeah. garbage. It was, uh, yeah, it, I think that's right. It, it's what Dustus used to be, but they changed the triggers and they rearranged the ordering of the card. Yeah. Um, and I talked about this on Small Council previously, and that's like exactly what we'd been clamoring for in Dragonstone for over a year um, to get that heel moved to the initial part of the card. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There were, too, there were too many, um, too much gatekeeping, <laughs> as the devs said in the, in those cards previously. So it's like now we have a, a card twice a game that can heal too. It's like yes, <laughs> small victories. Yeah, and it used to be when letters, wasn't it? You, you make everyone vulnerable, and then uh, and then you heal too if you had letters. It's just like yeah. So it's like the vulnerable was the only like part that you. Could get previously yeah. and that was it's still contingent upon like passing a morale test and then the heal was only if you also controlled the zone it was yeah jumping through hoops to jump through more yeah. hoops. yes um so go on we'll start we'll start talking about justice first of all we'll come down back down to conviction but um justice with the the panicked and vulnerable for just no requirement you have to be attacked and uh generally speaking not even a melee requirement which is quite huge uh generally speaking people attack in this game not always. Uh, anyone remembers the old Larks versus uh, Stannis in the final? No, Ariakas versus Stannis, wasn't it? No, it was Larks versus Stannis. Um, anyway, uh, you don't have to attack, but it's, uh, generally speaking, probably something that most people will do in a game of A Song of Ice and Fire. Um, 
Do you, do you find, Kurt, that your units are often attacked? Yes. <laughs> it's, a, it's a solid little card. Um, yeah. It gives Stannis one more token play, which, of course, he loves. And, you know, everyone else already had fucking Warcry. Let the Baratheons have some good stuff, too, you know? It is It is actually, like, replacement Warcry. You just have to get attacked first. Yeah, it's still, it's still reactionary in the, yeah. in the theme of Baratheons, so... This card is like really top tier in its power level, though. Like you know, when you look at the pure, purely what it gives, um, you know, it is it is Warcry, active vulnerable with with the bonus with the bonus kicker of weakened off of two zones as well. Not even like not even one. Normally, it'd be like if you control crowns or if you control letters, then you'll get the weakened. But just just like to throw it on for either makes it really really easy to get all three. But if you consider just like the direct comparison to a card like Warcry, whether or not Warcry is the best cards that commanders are bringing is very, very debatable. But Warcry, you're saying, you know, take a test. It at least is going to be, you know, five out of six be like your best odds of passing this test and putting it out. You're right proactively with Warcry. You can sort of like really choose where that goes. But the surprise of Baratheon justice, the fact that like an enemy attacks and then you're like, bang, here's, here's, a, here's a reverse war cry on that unit and now I'm going to activate and like capitalize on that straight away. I think the Barra Justice is just a, a really crazily efficient card now. Mm-hmm. Just just get card, play card, and it's really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. certainly a good card. Um, I don't, I don't want to like throw it into like, OP territory, because I don't think it is. Um, presumably on that attack, you're going to take some wounds. So I think it's right in line with where Red Priestess is right now, where it's, you take one or two wounds to throw out one or two tokens when you attack. Um, and no one's clamoring that Red Priestess is OP or anything. So mm-hmm. You did pay for Red Priestess. <laughs> this one came True, <laughs> true. All right, no, there, no, there no. you have me. <laughs> yeah, it's not, uh, yeah, I'm not saying, it's not It's not an OP card at all, but it's, um, it's one of those really just solidly efficient cards that everybody hopes that their deck is built around, right? Like, what really seems to... I think that all the decks have come a lot more in line with each other these days. You know, there are a lot more... There's a lot more similarities. There's no real, real strong outliers, I would say, still. The Night's Watch deck is like an outlier in just the way it works um, and some of the things that it can do. There's also the Free Folk deck and the huge discussion around Endless Horde and the fact that this is like quite a game-defining card in itself. Other than that, when you look at the Lannister deck, the, the Stark deck, all the other decks, you're hoping that you've got some cards that can make the game and that the rest of your deck, or as much as possible of the rest of the deck, is just filled with like good cards that you're not just going to discard when you see them, that you're just going to be able to play them and get some good efficiency out of. And I think the Barrow Justice is really turned what was discard fodder into a a very quick easy play value card and that's what you really want from like majority of your deck i would say yeah i'm in agreement and uh uh, the fact that it has two zone triggers a bit like ours is the fury um obviously that's a bit different because it's multiple options but the fact that it's got the two zone trigger kicker as well is great because Yes, you probably not necessarily want to take crowns. 
Um, you don't have many good replacement effects in Baratheon, but I mean, everyone's got Baelish, so that's a thing. Um, but uh, but but Letters is actually just a good zone. Like taking Letters and putting a weakened token out to make that attack that attacks into Baratheon Justice, shit. And then going, oh, you attacked me, did you? Ah, uh, well, I'll use that weaken to make that shit. Oh, and by the way, now have th that weaken token back with these as well. Is it my turn? <laughs> um, like, that's that's just nice. Like, it's just a nice thing to be able to do. Um, yeah, comparing it to Warcry is a good I like the idea of comparing it to Warcry myself um, in terms of its efficiency. Uh, but more like Ash's card Warcry, which is not that amazing, but good enough. I'll, I'll even I'll even concede this. Um, we talk about controlling the zones, like uh, crowns kind of sucks, but you can use Baelish and Letters is considered a good zone. I think in the past, old Baratheon deck, because you had four cards that were just rubbish, <laughs> the, yeah. the, the tactic zone was like, normally it's good. Is it good? <laughs> if I just draw two, two more rubbish cards, you know. Now that we have better cards. We only have two cards that are kind of lackluster with Oath of Duty and Sustained Assault, and then Commander cards can be hit or miss. Um, I think there is more value in the latter zone specifically for Baratheon players again. So it isn't it isn't as much of a dilemma as prior to 2021 balance patch as it used to be. Because back then it's like, well, I really only want swords and bags, and do I even care about the kickers I get on my cards from controlling the zones? Yes, definitely. Um, we should just stop by Sustained Assault before we get down to Conviction here and just say, uh, it's such a well, shit Starks card. Starks and Mates warm up. It's just a they, shit they also, card. Like, I feel like they should have changed Sustained Assault when they they all but gave it to Champions of the Stag, right? Like, yeah. Um, and, and the thing is, is that Champions of the Stag was about the only good place to ever have used it in the past. Now, now that's a zero use kind of place because because it's worthless on them. So yeah, I mean, just remember that it's that it's discard fodder. Never hold it. Never keep it. Never just get rid of it, guys. Honestly, your games will go better if you do. Yes. It has one use. It has one use. Go on. And that's that's with King's Men and doubling up sustained assault with our and that's it. Mm, which is uh, which, which is in, entirely debatable whether yeah. or not that's legal. <laughs> I I that actually is currently a legality <laughs> a, a hotspot. <laughs> I don't mind it terribly. The only other time I've ever seen it, like, and I've been like, oh, that might be okay, is when you've got like the Stannis Queensmen unit that just doesn't quite die because it's exactly the kind of thing where you have Stannis on like one or two wounds, and you'll draw this at the start of the round and go. I might hit back kind of hard because at least I roll seven dice with three plus um, with my Stannis. So it gives you an option, but yeah, I agree. It's, that's the best it can be, and that's still shit. So. There's just no need for it. Is no need for it to say if you began the turn engaged. No, no need for that. That's 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 the real thing. It's actually um, I played some. I've been playing a lot of Starks over last week. I mentioned it last week, I think, as well. But um. Played some Rob Commander and his hit and run that you have to start engaged to get the retreat. It's just it just feels shit. It just feels really bad to have to to have a trigger that says you start engaged with units that don't want to start engaged. I mean, Champions of Stag are about the only unit in the game which can reliably say I'm going to start engaged because you're running a low activation list and all you're just going to do is fucking hurtle at things. You know, um, 
Hence the reason that the vulnerable token they give out actually has use. But, yeah. Anyway. Uh, conviction. You said before that healing two wounds is pretty good, Kurt. Uh, is a, a special favourite pastime of you is healing two wounds, I've heard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... I mean, this is more than just heal two wounds, right? It's it's got some other bits to it. I don't know if you wanted to to break this down. How do you use it, or how does it get used? Where do you like it? What do you like doing with it? What do you do with your conviction of a night time? Don't answer that. Um. <laughs> uh, I like to use it on my my premier units that I'm filling out points to bring to the table, the elite stuff. Um, unless I have queensmen, and then I'm gonna fire it off as often as I can. Um, that's one reason why I like to run multiple queens because they're limited based on the order. They can only do it once around, but if you have two, you can get it twice and cash money, baby. <laughs> that is that is a good way of putting it. Yeah, the um, <laughs> the ability to get this back from Queensmen, like obviously it's contingent on the, the the passing of the morale, but I mean, if you get, I mean, let's just put it bluntly, if you fail every morale test in the game. You're going to lose regardless of what cards that you've got in your deck. You're most likely just going to lose the game anyway. Right? So, you're going to pass tests. And you're going to pass tests and you're going to heal too. Like, that's just good. And then it has the, the, the panic test on engaged. Fine, I guess. I don't really know. I haven't played it yet. And the condition token for the letters, again. What do you think? Um, That's just like extra. I don't really worry about that too much. Um, for me, the primary point of the card is to heal. I have the extra stuff cool. Every Everyone has such great morale these days. Panic tests are kind of meh. I mean, the crown zone has always been considered meh, and that's at a minus one. So, really about passing your tests, and I mean, that's a throwback to why I say I think that Lannisters are one of the toughest matchups for Baratheons, because they can make you fail your tests. So I'll, I've, I've had games where I'm sitting there like, all right, I'm going to heal my champs with my Baratheon Conviction, and I fail three panic tests in a row because Baratheon or because Lannisters have the means to, you know, throw out those negative modifiers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you, um, Queen's Man obviously can grab this and it can grab um, Baratheon Justice. Do you find yourself reaching for Conviction at nearly every opportunity? And, and, and Justice is a very niche kind of play. Uh, from my experience, I've barely ever seen you go and grab Justice. It seems to be that Conviction is the go-to card. Um, it, it's always dependent on the circumstances of the game and where you are currently. Like, If you are really needing to get tokens out because you have your tactical approach ready to go and you just, I need a token on that target so I can utilize tactical approach, that might be an incentive to pull out Justice. Um, I do lean towards pulling Conviction more than I would justice, uh, but if if let's say you have uh, a conviction in your hand and another conviction in the discard pile, um, maybe it's a better choice to go pull a justice out of your deck just to thin your deck a little bit more. There's always that element too. Yeah, fair, cool. Um, you also mentioned Oath of Duty as being something that you don't think is very good now. The quest cards, everyone will sit here and tell you, are not very good. <laughs> Unless we might touch. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear God, don't remind me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Oath of Duty, uh, I've seen this come up more and more, though. And Carlo, you obviously talked about uh, Iron Resolve. The minus one wound from failing panic tests. Is this a meme? 
Or is this the kind of thing that you sit down on Stannis 2 and go, lol, <laughs> only crit fails can kill me now. <laughs> um, well, I, I don't know. What do you think? Still a meme? Arlo? <laughs> um, I don't think it's the worst. You know, like, it, it's not the worst of the quest cards. And yeah, like, obviously, obviously, I see this turn one and I'm like, I, I see this turn one and I'm like, great card. You know, I, I see this, I see this turn three, four, you know, when we're really getting to the, really getting to the action, really getting to the middle of, middle of the gameplay. Obviously, I'm thinking I could have, I could have, I could have drawn something that could actually help me here. Um, That's one way to put it. And so, you know, to have, to have, uh, to have mediocre effects off of the back of that is, is, it, it, you could say a little bit disappointing, a little bit useless, but. Uh, you know, the more the more that I think about them, interact with them, and see them, the less the less glad I am. Like that that the quest quest card system exists at all, right? That I because they are so um, like turn of draw dependent. They are so dependent on when they come up as to whether or not they have value. Uh, I do think that they all should effectively be more like Leona Mormont in terms of like if a unit has died, gain X. If two units have died, gain Y. They should not be go down, gain this effect after. Like card must be down before unit gains effect because we become entirely dependent on the timing when we draw this card. And it's very, you know, they're, they're, they're nowhere near as impactful as Endless Horde, which is effectively, you know, the Free Folks quest card. You know, it is the one that they consider brings back a unit rather than the one that, you know, gives a, gives a buff. Um, I feel like Simon feel like what they did was they created a comeback mechanism, but they really, really didn't. It's not a comeback mechanism in my eyes. What it is, is it's just a complete random variance of, like, did I draw this card turn one? If so, profit. If not, bad card. And uh, and 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 the same can be said of Endless Horde. Draw it turn one, absolutely amazing. Draw it later, still amazing. It's the difference. Um, <laughs> but like basically, Endless Horde can win a game for you on turn one. Yeah. Oath of Duty, Lannister pays his debts. Anything that's not you know as not, and now his watch is ended or Endless Horde. They're not really going to win the game for you turn one, but you still love to see them because of the way that you can just play them, fire and forget, and then uh, draw draw back to that hand. This is this is part of me, not going to lie. Definitely part of my life now where I want to be able to be like omnipresent. Um, and I want to see like the actual statistics on how much does Oath of Duty do in the average game that it gets played in. And be like, actually, Oath of Duty stopped you like taking six wounds this game because of the minus one from failing panic tests. That's pretty good. It also let you put out like three condition tokens. That's pretty good. Um, or is it that card stopped you taking one wound that one time, and it allowed you to put out a vulnerable that you couldn't use because you died immediately afterwards? Um, I'd love to be able to assess that, uh, but unfortunately, that's a level of data we'll never ever really get. Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting. Um, but for me, the only one that I've ever really considered to be 
particularly useful is um is the targaryen um blood of the dragon mm -hmm. i feel like blood of the dragon plus one dice and the minus one panic from fails um in a faction personally i'm a big big user of jorah and he is he dies a lot you know like and, but that's but that's a trade that i always go into the game knowing that i'm kind of willing to make at some point i may even trade him out for a point to grab a grab an objective but then know that he'll die straight afterwards but that plus one attack and minus one on something like veterans or onto drogo flayed men or something like that right it can be actually very very impactful on the game whereas oath of duty is not going to have that kind of impact and the unit that you're going to lose to empower oath of duty is going to be way 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 you know a worse trade i'll uh i think the only time i've ever seen this do anything of any note was with stannis um just making take less wounds or even stannis one because it allows you to set up for um tactical approach and that's it um i don't know any thoughts from yourself, Kurt? Um, yeah, so it's it's zone-dependent, and I think that's the same for the Starks quest card and the Lannister quest card. They're all zone-dependent. Um, Lannisters especially, which is which you don't want. <laughs> hey, you already have it well, anyway. Well, you can get plus one to hit if you take the crowns. That's <laughs> yeah, fucking so, awful. <laughs> um, no, it's it's zone-dependent, and... Let's let's talk about uh, Baelish's once per game ability. I'll I'll use I'll use that to claim crowns if I'm going second and I have final strike in my hand. I want to get that minus one. I'm not gonna blow Baelish to get the kickers on Oath of Duty. It's <laughs> Why I, I think so I think arguably they need to make the quest cards all um all just work without having the gates of controlling zones. I mean, Lannisters can arguably do it better because they have Joffrey, but I mean, he's five points now, so. And the, the yeah, the the benefits. I mean, the ones that the, the quest cards that don't require zones, so Steers doesn't, uh, Steers Vengeance. It's just a vulnerable whenever they make an attack, not even a melee attack, by the way. It's just an attack, um, no zone required. Like, of you compare Oath of Duty with Steers Vengeance, they're roughly equivalent. Steers Vengeance being weaker without the minus one to wound. But the free token every time you attack is legit. Like uh, it doesn't require melee. It's it's probably an aggressively better card. Um, it's still shit though. And then this is, as we say, shit. Uh, quest cards. I mean, the Lannister one is Lannister bases debts is, I think, Although, the worst. The, the, I I actually think it might be the worst card in the game. Like, yeah, so like, 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 there's barely an aggressive unit in the Lannister deck, in the Lannister, like, faction, like, actual good list building that doesn't already have Vicious, right? The, um, the only one I can think of is Knights of Castle Rock. That is literally it. Right, but, 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 yep. like, if your Knights of Castle Rock are still rocking around, scoring charges, doing massive damage, you've lost a unit, then I have no fucking clue what game you're playing. <laughs> Right, because because uh, these Knights of Castle Rock just sat in the corner waiting for a unit to die before they come out and do anything because they're, they're almost definitely tied down. They're almost definitely like lost a rank. They're almost definitely the first unit that your opponent's going to focus down and kill. So, you know, like, again, brilliant. Yeah, like, yes, the stars align and you get this on Knights of Castle Rock and they're now 10 attacks hitting on twos with Vicious. 
yes, what an amazing combo. But no, it doesn't happen in reality. In reality, you're running flayed men and you've got vicious anyway. So, like... <laughs> you guys, do you guys remember Stark players suiciding their direwolves to get their old, their old yeah. uh, upon yep. unit death card going off? You never see Baratheon players suiciding a Dragonstone noble on stakes it, to get Oath it, of Duty. It doesn't work like... for Stark. <laughs> yeah. Does it? No, it's it does. I, I don't noble. know. <laughs> does Dragonstone noble even count? When a friendly infantry or cavalry unit is destroyed, yeah. Uh, Dragonstone Noble is counted as cavalry, I believe. He is counted as cavalry. Is he cavalry or is he solo? Cavalry, cavalry, he's cavalry, cavalry solo, solo, right? Cavalry solo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no one's, no one's going to suicide a unit to get Oath of Duty, so it's like, not worth yeah. it. And yet, what um, did that old one do? Uh, it used to, used to give you a free attack. It used right? to be a free attack. And so yeah. back in, what was it, 1.6, I used to run a unit of. Um, Bolton cutthroats with Stannis because it's like okay that's my unit that will die so I can get my free attack from this card. I don't account for that anymore like I used to. Last um, last stand doesn't even was enter the equation. Yeah, it was like it was last like stand was the um, which is what um, Great John's got I think. Modern Great John's got last stand. Specifically the uh, the minus one panic like that can be situationally useful. Throw it on your champions of the stag to make them even more tanky. I mean they're doing what they're supposed to do. Um, you talked about Stannis two, and how he has minus one. You could stack it, um, and then that could be cheeky, I guess. I don't. <laughs> I mean, ask Stark and Night's Watch players how they feel about unyielding. Is it really that good? Like... Mm. No. <laughs> yeah. There you Short go. answer. But usually, there you go. actually, like unyielding, unyielding is a very good ability. Um, the actual significant problem with unyielding is all the units that have it don't have any good armor typically so they just get killed um you know the the only one that pushes the boat out a little bit is the berserker moment veteran unit which in theory is really dangerous yeah Uh, but it just for eight points it just doesn't do eight points worth of work and you stick a three point three armor saver unit in front of it and go well roll your nine dice and get some misses and take some more hits and die (laughs) you know um god they fall in that favor Zerka's really have fallen out of favor. Zerka vet spam was on the cards for a moment. Uh, Swan Swords came back. Yeah. Swan Swords came back into fashion, so. Yeah. And Stormcrow Mercs for Starks. Again. Still making appearances and. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Stormcrows. Uh, anyway, um, that was Baratheons as a whole, right? Which we obviously need to talk about. They're doing well. Um, but we have, if I can find it, not that one. Not that one. There we go. <laughs> uh, we have your Baratheon lists that, you know, you didn't win the event. Fair enough. You know, not everyone does. Uh, but you were in the last table, right? <laughs> I know, right? I've got to rub it in. You were on the last table. Like that. <laughs> uh, you were playing Bob in the last round, right? Um, uh, and you unfortunately lost to him in what I believe was quite a close game. I remember rightly. Yeah, 9-10. Um, so you took him all the way basically, uh, in dance. Um, and you were running some Brathian lists, you know, sticking uh, with your, kind of like, trueness. Uh, so, you obviously talked about uh, the Queen's Men, Stannis, uh, two combo earlier, you know, very popular combo. You run it with Stannis 1. I, I use Stannis 1. Yeah. First. I, I want to know why you run it with Stannis. Stannis 2 I've seen in Queen's Men loads. Mm-hmm. Why did you pick Stannis 1? Um... Well, I probably have the most games under my belt with Stannis 1, so I just feel comfortable with him as a commander. 
I like the tool set he brings to the table. Tactical approach is hard. <clears throat> and then um, um, it's great to have him and Davos NCU together. Um, just I like him as a commander, and I like him in the show. Okay, I'll, I'll elaborate that on, on that further. Uh, so they talk about Baratheons. You know, say, yeah, that split loyalty. You got Renly over here. You got Stannis over here. Um, but like within Stannis, there's also like another split. You know, you have the Queensmen and the R'hllor side of things on one side, and then you also have the Kingsmen and the non-R'hllor affiliated troops that are loyal to Stannis, whether that be Davos or Andrew or what have you. And that part of the faction, and indeed Stannis himself, has always really appealed to me um, in that he's not... They just did him so dirty in the show. He's not a religious fanatic. He's not a true believer in what... He's not drinking the Kool-Aid that Mel's you know, doubling out. Um, you know, two is not three. Uh, <laughs> so I've always, I've always really liked that aspect of Janice's cause, and um, I, I, I'd love to see more units. You know, right now we have Kingsmen, and then like the non-loyalty affiliated units, kind of, and that's about it. But I'd love to see that tables. part of the Janice faction fleshed out more. So yeah. I've, I've always just really liked that that side of Stannis. So like generic um, Stormlander kind of thing, just like yeah. Animal, yeah. The guys who were there when uh the, the siege of um Dra uh, right. uh they, they they held out against the might of the reach for over a year and yeah. then uh you know they ate horses and then and then the cats and then the dogs and then the rats and then book leather and what have you. And then and in the T V show it's cold <laughs> for two days and they can't survive you know <laughs> Hey, it was really cold, okay. <laughs> you know, there's plenty of House Goodman showed up and ruined their plans. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, the, the double Lightbringers is something I've seen um, a lot of other people run with. Uh, it's becoming more popular. You've gone for the double Lightbringers. I've seen people run single Lightbringers and like two Faithful or something like that with attachments and things in. Um, the Champions of the Stag is a bit of a strange one coming out. Um, is that purely for the tactical approach combo with them? Or... Yeah, it's a, it's another good unit to throw tactical approach on. So you throw one on the champs and then one on Stannis and the Queensmen. Mm -hmm. um, going back to Stannis too, I actually kind of like him and Kingsmen. Um, I'm kind of on the fringe on that, I guess. But um, yeah, double Lightbringer. Um, I like to utilize if I'm. It gives me it gives me a way to get around some other obstacles I might not have the tools to deal with. So I had a buddy throw Braun in. Lancer Guardsmen once. So they're blocking on two up saves. Like, I'm not going to attack that. Like, <laughs> that's just <laughs> suicidal. So, brilliant thing with Lightbringers, you can just shoot a unit that's next to them and then bounce that panic over and, you know, morale seven Guardsmen go to nine, eat it. Like, <laughs> um, probably one reason why they need to go to six, honestly, since everything else is. is... <laughs> yeah. Very true. Golly. I guess I guess it has echoes of like the awful expo list, but I don't want to like. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bad what person. <laughs> Go on, Carly. When 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 you generate like the the generic game plan, right? Like you you, you don't quite know what you're facing, or maybe maybe you do. Maybe you have in mind who this is going to come up against, or what modes it's going to play, or whatever. You know, like talk talk us through the process of that. But where do you see this winning? Do you see it uh, like? really pushing out high volume panic damage? Do you 
see it winning in like a sustained kind of game, see it winning in an objective game. Um, like what's uh, what's the mentality? And and then I guess specifically off of the back of that, where does Barris make it over the very common pick of Mel in that kind of mindset uh, when it comes to that? Sure. Um, so yes, this is basically my all-comer list. Um, it's a variation of the list I ran at LVO, and that variation had two Lightbringers and two Hedge Knights. Um, and so the big idea behind that list, aside from kind of being like all-comers, was area of control and threat range and being able to zone out people. And just mm -hmm. the mentality that the mind games you can play with your opponents. So um, at LVO, I ran up against a guy running a nine activate or a, a nine activation pseudo eleven activation free folk list, and so I I pulled out my double lightbringers and I throw down palisades wherever I can to try to block or funnel units, and I use that threat of a ranged attack with you know negative morale modifiers to um, keep them at bay and kind of control the pace of the game to an extent that I can survive being out activated and I can kind of control the pace in a way that I wouldn't otherwise be able to being down in activations like that. Um, so specifically in that match, um, it was, was it wins a winner where you have the secret missions and there's five yeah. objective markers on the board. Yeah. Yep. So I just, I ran up and I grabbed the tokens and he hung back because he didn't want to get shot. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to score from controlling the center and then I'm going to control like four zones and score from that. And before, you know, before like round three, I was all halfway to victory against a, an army that I normally would struggle to get victory points against because insignificant. So that's kind of the thought process with the double Lightbringers. Um, Varus, like I said, this is an all comer list, and Varus is just useful almost all the time. Um, he's a nice control element, and I, it relieves pressure for taking bags. Um, gosh. Are we? We'll go through the. Uh, we'll go through the. Um, the qualifying tournament in Pittsburgh at Fabricator Forge, mm -hmm. and I'm guessing, but I can dig into more more into that then, I guess. Yeah, it I is, just like his versatility. Yeah, the the, the virus pick is something that. Um, we haven't talked about virus basically at all since uh, his reveal. Um, his initial reveal at 2021 uh, a year ago now uh, a year ago was he was going to be going to four points with his new ability and like that was a change from his old thing and you know i remember the episode because me and carlo basically said you're going to see varus everywhere at four points still he's still very good i actually got a pin saved in our discord channel with that exact quote in it that i'd taken from it uh and then they released him at five so i felt like an absolute idiot because uh <laughs> i was like oh shit they changed that one thing that i said was going to be everywhere um i still like him at five I think a lot of people sleep on him at five. I think he's actually a very good pickup. I think there are very few five-point NCUs that you should be considering. I think Varys is one of the ones that you should. Um, I don't run him. I can't run him. But yeah. You asked uh, why no Melisandre, and it's almost for the exact opposite reason for why I bring Varys. Varys helps me stay alive. It helps me control the the, the tactics board. Melisandre, I'm mm. killing my own units in a list where I have armor 3, armor 4, armor 4, armor 2. I don't want to be killing my own units for a hit or miss panic bomb. 
Um, and that's not even getting into the fact that I consider her a negative play experience for both the person running her and the person on the receiving end of her. I don't, I don't like Mel. Yeah, that's a whole conversation that has sprung up over the last kind of couple of weeks is negative play experience, which we'll touch on again he's, just very briefly later on. But... He's Baratheon awful, and I think both of them suck. <laughs> that's fair. Um, any more questions on that particular list, Carlo? Or can we move down to his uh, his his Courtney? Board? No, I guess uh, it just pairs with the other one. If that's all comers, what are we what are we what are we feeling its bad matchups are. What are we trying to achieve with list two, or like what uh, you know is it to cover a weakness, or is it to like really really push a strength, uh, like push a single game mode, push a single matchup? So list two. This is the six activation list that everyone's been clamoring over for the past two weeks. Um, I can't claim this as origi an original idea. Um, full discretion on this, or full disclaimer, whichever. Um, Paul Grooney, Craig, who I played against at LVO, um, he messaged me on Discord about uh, this Baratheon player that he'd run into at Adepticon, who ran the double champs with the glory speakers. And I think that variation of the list had um, like a Davos attachment in like Stormcrow Mercs, which I felt was like a little redundant on the healing, a little bit mm -hmm. too much. So I, I, I basically, he told me about that list. I'm like, oh, wow, I haven't tried that yet. After the update patch, um, I never I never ran camps prior to the update patch because I just thought it was garbage. I mean, I ran them a few times, but I'm just like, every time I just felt like I was confirming my gut feeling that they were garbage. After the update patch, I was like, all right, I'm going to quit bitching about Champions of the Stag. I'm going to run them, and I think they actually look good, so I'm going to try them out. And I've been running one um, in my lists. And I, there were games where they'd do okay. There were games where they'd die. And it's like, I couldn't quite get it down to where I felt good running them. Um, and then the double list came up, and I'm like, okay, I'll try that. Because uh, that'll that'll keep them alive, and I think that's what you need them to do. You're spending eight points on them, nine if you throw the attachments in. If those those die, that's such an integral part of your list. So the double glory seeker was a way to keep them keep them going, um, to create a real synergistic relationship between the two units. So Craig had told me about the list. I'm like, all right, well, there's some things I don't like about that list, and here's my spin on it. Um, I like Penrose because he gives he gives control elements as well um, with uh, surprise strategy and issue commands and counterplot. Counterplot's such a fucking good card. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I was re really like planning out um, how this list would account for lists that the other list might not be able to handle. It was it was initially like oh I'll try this out because Craig told me about it. And then I ran it a couple times against my buddy Cyrus. And I won like three games with it. And I was like, hey, this, this feels pretty fucking good. You know, I'm not losing with this. Um, so I was like, I'll, I'll, fuck it. I'll take it as my second list to regional qualifiers and see what, how it shakes out. And happy with the results. It is very interesting. Obviously, you know, you run Baelish and Tycho as your two like NCUs in the, in the list. Mm -hmm. Um, there are variations on this that we've seen in Europe. Uh, I you notice there I brought up uh, Decipher. This is the the French uh, group that we saw, um, and Decipher ran it 
um, not too long ago, and it is the same core concept of Champions have Glory Seeper, Champions have Glory Seeper, Brathian Wardens, and then he invests the the points remaining into Stagnites uh, rather than the um, Thorn Watch Loris combo that you've got, which we'll talk about in a second. Um, but he runs that with Courtney and Elena, obviously Courtney giving that healing that Tycho would bring, and Elena giving the the NCU control, which ultimately Baelish is kind of giving you. So they're doing the same things. The two NCUs actually fulfill same roles within the six activation build. They just do it very differently. Um, it is interesting to see that, you know, coming to, you know, what is basically two mutually exclusive areas, two mutually exclusive players, you know. I can't imagine you've ever played against Decipher, uh, Kurt. No? Uh, <laughs> I, I really don't go on TTS. I'm no. kind of like Brett in that aspect. I like to play in person. Yeah, and nothing wrong with that. Uh, so you've never seen this list, potentially. You've never certainly never played against it. So for it to come about in you know in the US as well, almost almost separately, shows to me that this kind of idea is certainly something that's got credence to it because people are doing well, not just because they're good players. People are doing well with this independently. Um, but yeah, I do. I do want to. Sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. I do want to add on this. Um, like I said, I kind of was told about this list from someone else and then i was like right here i'll put my spin on it mm -hmm. um i never went into this i never went into this with like the incentive to like drive a narrative or mm -hmm. to uh be a contrarian or break the meta or anything like that i i ran it because i thought it looked good and i thought it played good mm -hmm. um like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna run two ncu for the sake of running two ncu and i'm not gonna run six activations for the sake of running six I'm running it because I think it plays well, and I think it gives me a good chance to win. And it's, yeah, it is kind of a change up, but you know that's just, um, you know, just what it is, I guess. <laughs> yeah, as is completely the right mindset to have as well. Um, I think you know, without without us delving into that whole discussion, there are people out there who will look to run things just because people have said yes. they're not good or um, or they're they're counter like rather than just running it because you think it can work. Um, so yeah, it's uh, definitely interesting. Now, um, Carlo probably, you know, we won't see it happen live on stream, but Carlo has thrown fits at how bad Night's uh, Thornwatch were. Um, <laughs> uh, you, you, <laughs> you really have doubled down here on the Thornwatch and gone, you know what Thornwatch need? A bigger point investment. Let's go. <laughs> eight, po eight point Thornwatch with uh, the Loras attachment. Um, sure. Go on. Well, uh, I I know what you're probably thinking. You're gonna say here, I think, but uh, but go on. Tell us, tell us what craziness went into your head. It's just kind of a flex piece, um, giving me access to expert duelist on speed six, something that Brathians don't really have outside of this combo. Um, other people have already talked about like you've already seen new variations of this list, which I'm happy to see people taking the idea and improving upon it. Of like instead of running Loris attachment, just run Loris commander and sa save yourself too. Um, you can accomplish the same thing, um, and that's true. It's it's a unit I can run off in isolation if I want. It doesn't have to stick with the rest of the army. So if there's an objective I need to go contest on the other side of the board, I can do that with it because um, it, it has built-in healing on its own just from retreating. Um, and then like if shit hits the fan and I really need a heal, I have Tycho, but I prefer to use that on the champs for obvious reasons. Um, so in 
we'll, t we'll just jump into round one of the tournament. Yeah, in round ahead. one, I used this against, um, get his name, he's from New Jersey. He was running a great John Stark list. And so it was uh, Game of Thrones, the five objective markers with various objectives. And on my back left objective was the one that heals one wound plus one for rank missing. And then I forget what the other ones were, but um, I was like, all right, I'm going to deploy left side. I'm going to stick uh, Courtney Penrose and Wardens on that back objective, and he'll just sit there and score. I know I'm not getting the bonus from commanders anymore, but um, he can issue commands and then let the champs go to work. So sit Courtney on the back objective, and I throw the champs at the far objective on the left side and the center objective. And then I had my... And I also had a tree over there, because I like to throw my champs where there's a tree, just to give them extra morale. Yeah. Um, and then I just had my Thornwatch on my right my right flank. And they weren't, like, far away or anything. Mm -hmm. um, but there was a, a bog, like, in the center right part of the map. And so he had Holy Cavaliers kind of screaming down that side. Um, and I was like, all right. That's probably not a great matchup for my thorn launch. So I, I'll just back him up and kind of hug Courtney a little bit more. I managed to get a shot off. The timing, I was like, oh, he's setting up to charge me round two. Um, but he'll be on the bog, so, uh, you know, he won't get rerolls. So I'm like, oh, that's worth it. And I'm throwing weakened tokens on him because that's like his biggest threat piece. Um, but he's cleaning it off with Catelyn Tully. Mm -hmm. like, oh, shit, he can get rid of my weakened tokens. Um, I, I just I back up, I get like one shot off with the crossbows, and um, uh, round three or two, I forget, I see his plan come I see what it is. He has a he has assault orders. who's gonna charge in with cat and cleanse the weekend and instead of charging the front, he's gotten in a position where now he'll charge the flank. So I counterplot that. I'm like, yes, I stopped it. Um, but then he goes and gets it back with Sansa. I'm like, shit. Because <laughs> I don't have my second counterplot ready to go. Um, so I know he's going to charge me next round. And I think this is kind of a mistake on his part. Instead of charging, he continues to try to set up for this end-all, be-all one-shot. And he goes into the rear of uh, Thornwatch. Um, so I let him do that. That's going to happen. Mm -hmm. But at that point, his Sundering is kind of moot. Yeah. Because they're, they're normally blocking on fives, so he could have gotten them blocking on sixes just from charging the front, or hell, charging the flank. So he took he took so much time moving this Tully Cavalier unit into the rear of the Thornwatch that it allowed other things on the field to play out. And it allowed my champions of the stag to grind down a unit of Sworn Swords and his She-Bears unit that had a great job. Mm -hmm. And then I was scoring from controlling the points. And then the Thornwatch retreated from his Tully Cavalier charge, which didn't quite one-shot them. They survived. They um, so they retreated. They retreated and they healed a butt-ton. And then Courtney, sitting on the, the objective marker, healed him more. And I ultimately ended up trading with him using Final Strike. So I traded my eight-point Thornwatch Loris with his Tully Cavaliers. I'm like, I know it's eight points to eight points, but I'm, I feel like I traded up there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's... That's interesting. Um, obviously, you went on to win that game 8-1. Uh, so uh, that was the Thorn Watch taking it as a as a kind of like crushing. Yeah. Um, cool. I mean, yeah. Uh, obviously, I, w I will. I'll straight. I'll obviously ask you now. Obviously, 
told us about how a little bit how the list works and things like that and how you'd want it to do how was the event like how did you enjoy the event yeah it was great i got to meet some guys that i knew from the discord that i had not yet met in person mm -hmm. um alex bored to death i know he's out there in the chat hitting up tactical approach um <laughs> no it was great to meet him in person and then um i'd already met chris a year prior at um nationals and i met steven stovetop at lvo and i lost to his double ranger hunter john snow list <laughs> <laughs> um but no it's great seeing those guys and um last year i didn't get to play chris tran at nationals and i was so bummed we were initially put on the same table at one point in like round two and then the to was like, oh there's been a mistake actually you're gonna be at this table and he's gonna be at this table it's like oh so i missed out i'm getting to play chris tran so i got to play chris tran at this tournament that was that was truly a delight is he as small as people say he is <laughs> he makes up for it in spirit right <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm also small, so uh, I just want to find uh, a kindred spirit out there that's, uh, you know, <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, no, obviously cool. Um, it looked like, uh, I'm not going to say it was an easy walk to victory, you know, no victories ever are, but it looked like a fairly fairly straightforward walk into the last round. You know, you, you comfortably beat most of your opponents, um, and then obviously into the final round against Bob. Um, obviously... You know, we can talk to Bob, and he'll he'll no doubt give us a lowdown on how he thinks the game went. Um, what was it in the end that, that just pulled it away from you? Um, pulled the win out for Bob, I guess. You game four. Yeah. Um. Was was it Vargo? <laughs> there was there was some uh, there was some. Some people were questioning why the final top table wasn't streamed or whatever. Mm -hmm. Part of that was it adds extra pressure, and so Bob was. He said he'd prefer not to be streamed, um, which I was fine with because I'd already. I, I actually my round two game against Chris was recorded, oh, um, so yeah, that'll be up great. at some point. That was probably my favorite match of the. It was such a seesaw. Um, mm -hmm. Match four against Bob. So I'm. Yeah. Okay. So match four against Bob. The the possibility of just tying, was. Was a real possibility like we could just tie and he'd take first and i'd take second um i wanted to play it out just so if in the event i won i could say baratheons won an event um, the right answer <laughs> I, yeah but so yeah so we played it out but don't put too much stock into it right okay fair enough do you uh <laughs> do you think that the other list would have been better for you, or uh, probably you, you in are... hindsight. Um, so Bob, Bob's a hell of a player. Let's just start with that. Um, I like to go into games thinking I'm going to win, and I was, you know, I was on a three-game win streak. I was on a high. So I was like, yeah, I can. I beat Chris Tran today. I can beat Bob. You know, Chris was <laughs> Bolton Skincare was number one in the world on stats for quite a while, so I can take on anyone. Bob, <laughs> Bob's a hell of a player. Uh, after after deployment, I I had lost that confidence that I could <laughs> beat him. Uh, At least yeah, um, <laughs> he he comboed up uh, veterans who have disrupt with um uh, Raven flock crow flock mm -hmm. from cold hands. Mm -hmm. So my 
you know, hitting on threes, champs of the stag were hitting on fives at a certain point in the game. Um, I had to use Ars of the Fury just to get them to hit on fours, which is like a woof. Uh, <laughs> I did, I did have a really clutch moment. Uh, he used Bowen Marsh to get. He could have gotten, uh, is it Stand United Brothers and Shields? But he had to put one at the bottom of his deck, so he, he kept shields and he dropped Dandy United Brothers, which he really needed. Um, and so he tried to use shields when I'm hitting him with my champs, and I counterplotted that. And so I got rid of his shields. Yes, because fuck, fuck shields. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then he hit me in the flank with a unit of Sworn Bros, and I had a final strike. So he, did, he actually did like eight wounds to me, which I had to blow Tycho to heal up on. And then um, my final strike hit him back for eight, and so that was so that was so key. If that if those two things didn't play out like that mm-hmm. in quick succession, then it would have been much more lopsided than it was. Fair enough. Yeah, things that happen though, you know, and and that is that is how you you win games ultimately when people you know make mistakes like that or at least plays that you can then capitalize on. Um, now. You don't come down with a win, right? But you come down with a much closer game than perhaps you initially would have thought out. So, yeah. Um, I, I do want, I do want to add one more thing. Bob was... Some people were like, oh, well, you killed a bunch of units. You, you could have tabled him. You were really close. There was never... <laughs> I was never going to table Bob. So my second <laughs> unit of champs had picked up a dragon egg from... What is it? Which game was that? Uh, Dance of Dragons. Dance of Dragons. Yeah. So they were speed two. And he blocked with cold hands. And so between speed two and him just throwing cold hands to slow me down, because that's all he had to do at that point was to keep his other units alive, holding the eggs. It was, it was never going to happen. Fair yeah. enough. It was just one of those ones that just traded out to kind of like a losing end game, unfortunately. Uh, with yeah. Very little. yeah, I feel like cold hands, cold hands, in some ways, he really warps. The, the reality of what the game was versus what it looks like on the score sheet because he, he's given up VPs a lot of the time um, and also he's given up kill points so it looks like it looks like somebody's really on a rampage killed so much stuff also scored loads of VPs but I find it's often just the Night's Watch player really guaranteeing themselves a minor victory by just by just trading them out and they know that there's no possible way that they can lose but it makes it look like like it was like a really tense game, but actually in reality, old hands is just kind of warping the score um, <laughs> while maintaining the victory. Nice watch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah interesting. Uh, you know, picking up some uh, Night's Watch tips for anyone out there as well. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, obviously, you know, <laughs> uh, obviously a great event. You got uh, was it nineteen players in the end uh, that actually played at the event. Um, on the day, which is great, um, and you know, congratulations to yourself for coming second, and of course, securing that U.S. national spot. Um, we, you know, we don't talk about the nationals or the road to nationals as uh, as people sometimes talk about it. Um, there is, uh, you know, a lot of discussion, and uh, certainly something I wanted to ask you as an as an American player. Um, are you finding it hard to keep track of who is actually going? Um, to the nationals, or who's invited, or what events have been on, and things like that. Because um, I know that I've been finding it really hard. I was just wondering if if you had anywhere I could get some information. <laughs> I think I think they have a running list on um, Sunday Slaughter Discord. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just found it. <laughs> I, I I will say this: I really wish 
there were, um, whether it be on CMountain's website, since they've added in this requirement that you have to secure an invite in order to attend nationals, I wish they would promote and um, tell people and make it easily accessible where these events are, where you can get an invite. Mm -hmm. um, I like there was one in California where like only one person showed up. Like, mm -hmm. That's such a bummer. Um, mm -hmm. I also, you know, and take this as like constructive criticism. I also think that if they're gonna make it invite based, they should have added another bracket for how many invites go out. Because right now it's you get one if, as long as you have eight, and then at sixteen you get four. So yeah. It's like, well, what about those tournaments where you have 15 people? That's such a feels bad to only have one invite out. I think they should have done a, another bracket point at 12 for two. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because then you have, it's like, we have our we have our regional coming up in Kansas City, June 11th. Mm -hmm. Everyone, if you still need your your nationals invite, <laughs> um, <laughs> we have we have ours coming up. At our local tournaments, we've had turnouts of eight players. 10 players. You know, this is coming out of COVID, so we don't know reasonably what we can expect. And so the very real probability of not hitting 16 is weighing over us. And that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons that I felt compelled to go to Pittsburgh to try to secure my invite, because we don't was hit 16. Was that a big driver for you? Was, was, that, was that like certainly really tipped it over that this, this was something that you wanted, you wanted an invite, and this was Kind of at least one one shot at getting it. Yeah, I, I mean, I had a blast at Nationals last year, and so I wanted to attend again this year, especially now that Rathians are better, and at LVO, I never really had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, it's like, if I if we hit, let's say, 15 players, we only get one invite, you know, if I win, Cyrus doesn't get to go, Cyrus wins, I don't get to go. I know there's like the last chance tournament, but I didn't want to like leave it up to that. Um, so I, I, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't know how many people are going to be there, how many invites they'll get out from that. So I feel really bad for someone in Carlo's position where it's like kind of this air of uncertainty where you don't know if you're going to get in or not. Like, <laughs> like you hope so, but you know, I don't want to leave that up to chance. So it's like, I'm going to go to Pittsburgh and I'm going to try to snag one of those invites. And then I feel bad for the Pittsburgh guys because like, oh, I stole one of your... <laughs> one of your spots um come to kansas city and steal one of ours you know? hey don't worry just 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 wait just wait until i fly in and steal your entire national title and we're there you go fly home. <laughs> <laughs> going going 12 wins in a row to come out of uh the, the last chance into... <laughs> i mean like for me you know uh it, there's plenty going on at gen con i really i really hope I will qualify and make it into the main event, but uh, you know, like, not, it's not a wasted trip if I don't. You know, GenCon's still uh, an amazing con to go to. Which is why I'm, why I'm personally, I know a lot. There's been actually some discussion about like, uh, you know, some people saying that they wished it was not at GenCon. Um, with the way it's kind of worked out for me personally, you know, I, I'm glad that without being secured a spot. I know that I can go to Gen Con and qualify or not qualify in that last chance tournament. I'm still at Gen Con and can still do plenty of other things. Uh, but I know that for other people, you know, they feel like it's a bit of a waste of Gen Con actually to kind of like play in, um, play, play in like a really competitive tournament the entire time. But uh, we'll see what happens. It'd be my first Gen Con. Um, 
you you played at nationals last year, but that wasn't Gen Con. That was family time games at that time. Did you did you even like go over to Gen Con at all, or were you just in family time games? Well, there wasn't even like a Gen Con last year because of COVID. It was like all digital. Um, yeah. I'd I'd yeah. gone to Gen Con previously. Um, before I ever got into song, I used to play uh, Star Wars Armada. So I did the tournament at Genicon there. Um, and I, I kind of get like the vibes you're throwing out. That's like, oh, yeah, you're in a super intense tournament. You don't have as much time to walk around and look at all the cool things that you might otherwise like to do. That Gen Con where I was in the Armada tournament was actually where I played my first Song of Ice and Fire demo. And I was like, oh, this is awesome. My buddy Cyrus had been trying to get me into it for a while. And so I finally bit the bullet. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll jump into this with you. Um, mm -hmm. That's cool. And then, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big convention. There's a lot of stuff to see, a lot of things to do. So I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to going again. Um, family, time, family Time Games was a great time last year, considering all the realities of COVID and the constraints mm -hmm. that puts on people and events. Um, and that was a lot of fun. It would have been... I would have felt better. I, I felt really bad about my performance at nationals last year. Um, so I'm hoping to do better this time, you know. That's it's always about who, who, who you reckon last year? Was that was that Barry? I was Brathians again last year and um I ran up against Mother of Dragons who I did not have an answer for back then. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean I, I killed one dragon so <laughs> before my army turned to ash. <laughs> Hey, that's actually probably not a terrible result for uh, for a Brathian player. Yeah, um, old one. Yeah. yeah, in the old days. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Obviously, you mentioned the Kansas City uh, Regionals, which is running uh, in June, June 11th and 12th. Um, running it over the... Is that... Yeah, not just running over the one day, right? Um, two days yeah, on the stats, one... US time zone. Oh, is it? For time zone for the UK, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's just one day for us. Yeah, so. one day for you guys. Um which will be on uh, Saturday, the June the 11th. So yeah, um, hopefully get some lots of players. I know that you haven't got anyone, uh, many people sign up on stats yet. You are several months out though, um, well, month and a half, two months out. So practically years away in Seamon's terms. Um, I'm sure there'll be a flood of people who haven't yet managed to pick up a qualifier elsewhere, or suddenly uh, it's their uh, it's their last chance. <laughs> it's the last chance, last chance. <laughs> yes. Um. Awesome. Right. The other thing we're going to discuss now, we'll uh, we'll come back on to tournaments later on when we discuss, as we always do, the upcoming events that we've got going on. Um, we actually have had another tournament happen over the weekend, which you've probably no doubt seen the uh, the stuff from this one, um, Kurt, which was the event, and we did talk about it briefly, the uh, event run by uh, Kyojo. Do I get that right? It's not Podwis. That's right. Carl always gets the two confused. Two names beginning with a P. Uh, but Piojo and the guys in um, Argentina um, ran an event. And I believe the turnout was pretty damn good. And Brathians won. Yeah. In fact, I think they had a solid team. Yeah. It, it was better than Brathians winning, right? I think Carlo... Uh, Barrist at one and two, both yeah. players undefeated. It was only a three-round event, so those two undefeated players, and it was the only two Baratheon entries. Uh, so Barra's 100% for the entire event is pretty uh, pretty significant outcome. Oh, yeah. There we go. So this is the uh, this is the image they put up for it, but uh, there's the guys playing. Um, who, you know, can I just point out the guy on the far right has got the coolest hair in the world? Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, uh, you know, playing games, they had what looks like awesome trophies great to see painted armies and things they got games going on i mean you know fantastic um and 
and uh, you know loads of pictures from the day itself. Uh, but I'll bring it up um, because you know we should mainly because it's uh, getting some some you know absolute uh, stardom for this man here. These are the guys uh, that won the first three spots, um, and Piojo is the guy we see on the right, my right, your left. That what well, by Carlo with the silver trophy. Uh, that's uh, that's Piojo up there, um, who also won best painted army, uh, believe it or not, as well. So at his own event, I suspect cheating. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, apparently a really good event, and it is always good to see these new kind of clubs come up uh, around the world especially argentina you know they're they're really okay they're they're not close but they're really not that far from the us you know you need to get some uh, north america south america you know games rivalry going. going yeah you need to get them up and have not just an na regionals and an na nationals you need to have an america's region event you know just go for it full double continent stuff um Asia and Oceania tried to do that, didn't they? <laughs> In, insert some kind of comment, which, you know, like, because you're not on the European level, but, you know, <laughs> get, all the, get all the NA hate. <laughs> oh, dear. We're terrible human beings. Um, anyway, that was an event that happened. Uh, obviously, congratulations to the to the winners and stuff and uh, to all the players that took part in that. And it's always great, as I say, to see new communities pop up and, and really take to stats. And, you know, he, he asked a lot of questions and he's been very active and I know that a lot of people on the Discord, yourself, Belisarius, probably talked to Piojo multiple times about lists and things like that. Very active on the Discords. Uh, and it's fantastic. Yeah, I've seen them in Dragonstone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, uh, he's a lovely guy. He seems lovely anyway. Um, so yeah, uh, congrats on them. Um, the next thing we wanted to talk about was away from tournaments, but kind of related to tournaments and kind of on the topic of events, really. Um is is this is this kind of thing here uh rankings or or player rankings or as you kind of were, were saying before the episode kurt like the the perceived player skill that people have and the kind of mentality that puts on players so did you want to throw it out there what your thoughts were sure yeah um there were a couple episodes on i, I don't want to like throw shade <laughs> there are a couple episodes on Small Council, which I've actually been a guest on before. They're they're great guys. And there's just like a thing like stuck out to me. Um after Depticon, several of the guys were like, Oh, Brett Lanford's the best. He won the event. We can't take anything away from him. I think it's like always good to give props to your opponent um and give them their 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 due. Um and then the, another episode, my buddy Cyrus was like, Brett's a better player than me. Brett is a great player. He deserves all the credentials he has and all the accolades and winning tournaments. I just, that just didn't like sit with me. For me, going into an event, I, I have to be in the mindset that I'm the best player. I'm going to go there and I'm going to win. Um, even though if you look at stats, I'm not even in the top 100, right? But mm -hmm. going into my round two game against Chris Tran, he was ranked number one in the world for months. If I'd gone into that game thinking, oh, woe is me, I don't have a chance, I don't think I would have been able to win that game. If I had to go into that game thinking, yeah, Chris Tran's a hell of a player, but I'm the best. I'm going to win this game. I'm going to win this whole tournament, you know? Um, and, I, you know, we have a saying in, uh, in the USA, uh, in, in the National Football League, any given Sunday, 
the worst team in the league can upset the best team in the league, which is the Kansas City Chiefs, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it can happen. You know, this game is a game of dice. RNG, you never know what's going to happen. So you have to go into these things with some confidence. If you're going in saying, oh, this person's better than me, I, I feel like you're just cutting yourself off at the knees. Interesting. Carlo, you are the best player in the world, so... Uh... Well, I mean, do you know what's do you know what's really interesting? And uh, I don't, I almost, I almost don't want him, don't want him to know because you know what I mean. It'd be, uh, be, be, be the worst possible thing. That's the reason why Mickey always loses to me. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah, um, club night on any given club night, Mickey is easily as good a player as me. When it comes to a tournament, he just decides that I'm better than him, and I'm, and I win. Simple as that. Hundred percent. Like. And 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 it's just and it's just like I it's just the confidence I I, I decide that I'm the best and I'm going to win the tournament and Mickey Mickey's like ah oh, Carlo's here Carlo will probably win and uh, and I think yeah I think it's very very true you know I uh, I am uh, I am blessed with an abundance of overconfidence so it's never been a problem for me to ever really sit at the table and think oh that guy's better than me you know I I do I do sit down at every table and think you know, whether, right rightly or wrongly I don't win every game I sit down at every table and think I'm going to win this game. Um, and at every given moment, no matter how bad it is, no matter what the situation is, I'm just saying, well, I'm going to win. So just like, how do I get there? Um, and yeah, I think that's a really, really valuable trait to have. Uh, um, for me, you know, in terms of like, in a broader sense, the whole thing about the site and stuff like that, it, it's, it, it tries to give people their fair props. You know, that, that, is, that, is, that is one of the main, main reasons why I built the ranking system. Um, and, and the way it's built the way it is, like a lot of people said, you know, like effectively only tournaments should matter or, you know, you should, ha you should have to be this big before it matters or this or this or this. You have to jump through all these gates before they think it qualifies as being worthwhile. Whereas I believe that, you know, not everybody can meet those requirements. Not everybody can jump through all those hoops and that those that are the best will rise to the top through this ranking system and that everybody should have a fair and equal chance to be able to like show and, and, and get the respect for like the wins that they get. Um, so yeah, I mean, like that is what the site's about. That is, uh, you know, it's about, it's about promoting the tournaments that don't get promoted. It's about talking about the smaller things that don't have a huge name attached to them and about, you know, really recognizing that somebody who's just winning again and again and again and again, even if it's not from in a tournament that you've ever heard of or in an area that you know of or against people that you've heard of before, like they are probably really, really great players. And, um, and, and, and that, that's what, uh, that's what it's trying to achieve. Mm -hmm. I really like, uh, Paul's, Paul's uh, comment in chat is that winning in turn zero makes the whole mindset important. You know, <laughs> right. uh, yeah, I'm going to nationals. I'm going to beat Brett and I'm going to take the title and I'm going to beat Carlo too. Yeah. Come yeah, on, I mean, Carlo, <laughs> absolutely. Carlo's not that good. Trust me. <laughs> uh, I, I feel, I feel, I feel going into a lot of games. Uh, I, I, I think I'm going to win, right? Like, I, I, I do, I do believe that. You know, I, I like to want to believe that when I sit down at the table, I'm the better player. But I, a lot of the time, I'm very aware that the other person wants to beat me so bad like <laughs> yeah, you probably get that a target lot. like there that like at the tournament you could ask everybody there they'd be like who would you want to beat like you you can come last but who would you want to beat they'd be like 
I'll beat that guy because because he, he's a brick. <laughs> I mean, no, it helps that uh, you're a brick. <laughs> seriously, though, even if we don't play in the tournament, I'd love to get a game in with you at Gen Con if time permits. Yeah, I mean, I uh, well, you know, it's sort of like an open uh, open thing. I'll, I'll sort myself out, uh, generally speaking. But uh, I will actually be I'll I'll be there quite a few days early, so you know, hopefully I'll be able to pick up games against some people in the lead up. Uh, maybe. Uh, a video here or there if uh, there are any kind of creators around and uh, hopefully i'll just play it anyone and everyone i can i uh, i do generally just enjoy playing songs that or he'll randomly challenge you to flesh and blood which uh, he plays <laughs> or when he's not playing song <laughs> usually in the middle of uh, a song versus fire tournaments <laughs> uh, i'm trying to avoid i'm trying to avoid getting sucked into uh, legion right now so uh, who knows i'll be a legion player come jack on <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna lie I uh, I saw everyone talk about Legion today when I was at work in our chat that we have with our local scene, and I literally muted the chat for myself because I'm like, if I don't get the notifications, I don't know I've got messages with interesting models on them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that 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 really worked. He says as he unfolds his wallet and puts his credit card details into another online store. Um, <laughs> no, uh, yeah. No, it's great. I do think mindset's a big thing. Um, yeah, it was really interesting that you mentioned it as well, um, because you know, and and this is this is actually the thing that I see in the UK a lot. And we're obviously talking about Carlo, my experience with Carlo. You see it in the US with players like Brett. Um, there becomes almost like a. I'm gonna use the term mysticism about them, right? As in like. There's this kind of like myth that playing them is going to be wildly different than playing anyone else. That that playing them mm -hmm. is going to be hard. That playing them is going to be you know an experience. Any of these things, right? And it might just come from the fact that you know when you play against these people more regularly and you do get the option to play against them a lot, that playing against them isn't a big deal anymore. Um, and I always go back to back to my sporting days. Um, and it goes back to when, when I used to play Frisbee a lot more than I do nowadays, which I barely do at all. Uh, one of the big things for, for us, actually, Carlo, wasn't it? Uh, one of the massive things in our first season in the Open Division in the team we used to play for is we got the opportunity to play not just the UK champions, but they were the European champions, a team that had just come off the back of like coming fifth in the World Games. And we played them and we played a game and it was like we're playing like some of the best in the world um quite literally at this point uh they're athletes compared to us um <laughs> oh yeah compared to me definitely uh, <laughs> i also play at the world games <laughs> now, now you do not back then <laughs> um but uh but i mean it's it was like it was it was really eye-opening and we i mean we were all just there for laughs really but we also went into it and um and we took we played the first half of the game and and they said it themselves when we played against them like we played it in such a way where they kind of had to take a step back and go jesus christ like these guys are a lot better as like random people who've just kind of got together and played a game um than this team had given credit for and sure we go on to lose the game but we didn't feel bad for the loss we felt like we'd been at a show that we could do it and um and that was something that i experienced then and then with obviously song and stuff like that you know playing against carlo a lot you know i see Mikel up at number two i play him all the time and it doesn't doesn't bother me that i'm playing against like arguably one of the best players in spain if not the best player in the world tom tyler like i'm gonna sit here and i'm gonna actually call him out i don't think tom's that good a player i actually 
gladly play against Tom and uh, and feel like I'm. I literally go into a game with Tom I'm like, oh, I'll beat Tom. He's easy. I don't, but I feel like I can. I feel like, oh, I'm better than him. Um, I don't think the Arx is that good. Don't beat him very often, but I don't think he's that good. <laughs> you know, it's that that confidence that you you know you were saying before, but it only comes from having played against these people a lot. You know, a, a player that for me for a long time actually down there in 12th place it's very oku like i played free oku so many times in the free folk versus stark matchup in 1.6 online that it became almost sad to have to play it because i knew pretty much exactly what was going to happen and it became a bugbear to have to face him and it became exactly what you were saying before paul uh Kurt. you just absolutely fuck yourself before the game starts and then you don't win I um, it's it's interesting because you know you obviously you talked you talked a little bit about like the mysticism this this idea that like somebody at a really high level would play in in some seriously different way, but like I have always maintained that and 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 you know some people some people disagree like some people in good people I I'm pretty sure that Jacob uh Jacob Grace he quite distinctly disagrees with me on this fact which is I believe that. Good players don't do anything special. Like, I really don't. Like, I, I don't believe that there is enough space in A Song of Ice and Fire to do anything particularly special. The, the, the game's not that inventive. Like, there are, there, are, there are more consistent strategies. There are less consistent strategies. There are people who take more risks. There are people who take less risks. There are mistakes. And there are very clear mistakes in my mind once you're, like, of a certain skill, once you're... Once you're at a certain point and you've had a certain amount of experience, you can see a mistake happening, or like you'll you'll you make you'll make a certain move and instantly know as soon as your opponent like says, "Okay, I'm going to activate X Y Z," you know, made a mistake here. And that to me is the only thing that really defines the top top players, which is can you minimize how many mistakes you make on the day? Whereas I personally don't believe that like. If we both play a near perfect game and we're both very, very good players, it's not going to be decided by who was better. It's going to be decided by the random chance. The it's going to be decided by our list. It's going to be decided by what cards we drew, what dice we rolled. But majority of games, they are determined by at least one mistake. And so if you just constantly keep looking for that mistake and don't make it, or keep trying to create situations where your opponent might then fall into that mistake. Yeah, it can happen. Other than that, like I just I, the, there's no super super special moves. There's no there's no crazy like you know crazy play that somebody else didn't see happen and then just like pulled out of nowhere. It's very very rare that a top player who plays very very regularly and has played against a whole range of different people and a whole range of different factions they're like really surprised by something like like they're like whoa i did not think that was going to happen or oh my god that was a massive mistake i've been caught out here um and so you know like the top players they're just they're just experienced and they're just you know concentrating <laughs> you know like concentration god it matters uh, and, uh, and maybe, maybe, maybe you could say that there's a skill in tournaments. There is a little bit of a difference when you, when you come to dragging on to six rounds, four rounds in a day, six, seven rounds over a tournament. Like if you can really minimize your mistakes and keep your concentration high at that point, then yeah, okay, maybe you're talking about skill. 
could call it skill at that point. But I still just think it's, uh, you know, mentality and, uh, and concentration on the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But Paul's also right. He always loses because of his dice, not his skill, because he's the best in the world. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, dear. Well, Lee Teddy, Lee Teddy has a, a brilliant saying, which is that the reason why Song of Ice and Fire is the best game in the world is because you can blame both the dice and the cards for why you lost. <laughs> One of the one of the things I did wanted to touch on 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 that kind of side of it is uh, we've seen a lot of people saying you know uh, surprised by certain things this that and the other or and uh, and Daryl of all people um, so kind of says it himself a lot uh, he one of the things he doesn't do is he doesn't read his opponent's list right and I always think and I can see your your fate there face Kurt there is kind of like what the fuck <laughs> um, yeah like. The, the beauty of A Song of Ice and Fire, and you can argue that about this in lots of games, right? But A Song of Ice and Fire is much closer towards this end. There's not a single piece of information you don't know outside of the exact cards that they hand they've, that they've got at this moment in time. And the dice they're going to roll. Now, nobody knows the dice. You can't control that. So don't even try. Right? If, yeah, if you get unlucky, you get unlucky. If you get lucky, you get lucky. Let's uh, put it most of the time. It will even out across a game. Um, the the much more significant issue is knowing what can happen when you do an action, like knowing the outcome of an action. Um, and people sometimes forget, and it leads into a very interesting question of: Should you tell people the outcome of an action if they aren't aware of what the outcome will be? unless they ask you this this whole kind of situation being like if i move a unit forward and i pivot in a way and i say you're still in my front there and we measure it and it's like yeah it's about right whatever i, I would then argue, like i would help you then orientate the unit so that they were still in my front if that's what you wanted to achieve but i would never tell you if you moved unit forward pivoted and then just finished i would never say by the way i'm in your flank is that what you wanted do you know what i mean I think there's a difference. I don't know what you feel about that, Kurt. Uh, I think it's you know just good sportsmanship if you want to like mutually agree that something's in a, in an arc or out of range or in range at you know before you finish finalize your move. And I, I find most players are probably probably accommodating to that. Mm-hmm. You're going to be like, I'm going to I'm going to move here where I'm you know just out of 14 inches by a millimeter. Um, and then generally people generally people will respect that and stay true to that. It's like Oh, I can't shift up two inches and shoot you long range. Like, fine. That's yeah. The the, the talking about like playing with intent and the intention. But what about those times where people just move something? And like, I had a good example of it come up actually. Um, you know, someone made an attack and then they've forgotten about sentinel. Is it my responsibility to tell them I've got sentinel on a unit when they make an attack, or is they're about to make it? I mean, it's up to them to do their own triggers. I mean, I'll I'll generally I'll generally help out if I see someone making a blunder because I don't want to win off of something that like shouldn't have happened. Right. So I was um round two, I played Chris Tran. Mm-hmm. Can't say enough about the guy. Awesome dude. Um I was spending his tokens for my tactical approach and a couple times he forgot to take those tokens off that I'd spent on tactical approach. And so it's like, well I'm not gonna gonna fucking cheat and like take advantage of like an extra token that shouldn't be there down the road. I'm not mm-hmm. that kind of player. Maybe some other people would. I, you'd hope not, 
you want to hope give everyone the benefit of the doubt and hope that everyone's going to be on their best behavior. But mm-hmm. I mean, I guess that's possible. I mean, I mean, for me, for me, the, the, there's a clear line there. Like, um, it's actually both of our responsibilities to take that token off. So like I have cheated if I don't take that token off. Right. So, you know, but for me, I will always 100% try and keep the game state. Right. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. You've taken off too many wounds there, by the way. I didn't, you know, like, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, um, or you need to take more wounds off, or you need to take less wounds off, or by the way, I did fail, I didn't pass, whatever. You know, like, you, you don't, both of our, it's both of our jobs to make sure that when uh, an action resolves, it resolves correctly. Um, but when it comes to prompting to offer you information, which is, you know, like, optional, shall we say, say you know, by the way, I have Sentinel, I'm never, I'm never going to offer you that information. I'm never going to tell you, uh, you know, by the way, this might go badly for you because, like I say, I think there aren't there aren't many places in this game where people can show that they are more or less skilled than each other. And knowledge and understanding of the ramifications of what's about to happen when you attack, considering that the information is open, um, is one of the few places where one person can show, like, I, I, I am better than this other person. You could say, well, you know, it's not really that skillful to, like, have a good memory of all the abilities or like understand these kind of things but like i say i think that there's, there's not many other places to show what skill is so kind of like understanding and knowledge of the game um one of the key places you know, at what point does do we end you know like having me having a very good knowledge of like all the important cards in your tactics deck is also you know like something that's quite key to me you know and that's not fully known information, as you say. Like, I know that they exist. I don't know whether or not you have them. I can choose to play around them. I can choose to be terrified of of um, Final Strike. I could choose to, like, not make attacks because because of what might happen. Or of Fury for the Fallen, I might get countercharged. Or, you know, any of these cards, right? Or I could just choose to assume that you don't have it. The difference is, is that I do know that you could. Um, to then, like for somebody by the way i might have this card it would be something that i'd never do outside of like teaching beginner how to play you know like outside yeah. of literal beginners where you're trying to just like introduce them to the game that's just the thing that they have to like understand is one of the mechanics of action uh it's a learning curve yeah i'm not going to offer up that i have final strike in my hand right um Why not? my discard <laughs> my discard is public information if mm-hmm. they want to go through that i'm happy to walk through that with them um on like, like smaller things, I'll, maybe people find this annoying, but I almost always walk through like how the math falls out. So it's like, oh, okay, me too. Iron resolve plus one, heart yeah. tree plus one. You're hitting me in the flank with vicious. That's minus three. So this five morale becomes a six morale panic test, yeah. right? I'll usually walk through that. Um, yeah, but... absolutely. I, I absolutely agree on that point. I find a lot of people they just like like to they sit and then they just like announce, oh, this test's on it, and I'm like, um. I actually disagree, you know, like, can we walk through it together because... Yeah, you know, am I missing something? Are you, yeah, you missing something? Am I missing right. something? Are you missing something? Because I don't think the best is on that. Uh, whereas if we just walk through it together, then we'll just, like, point out which one or has or hasn't been. Especially with uh, extra damage now, the or negative damage, if you will, with the minuses, uh, it's always important. Yeah. Like, I, I, we when we play Carlo, isn't it? It's very much a case of you you say two numbers you say like it'll be like a plus three minus one uh which is like yeah. an amazing test every test like... every test is a it, it's a minus two plus two test you know yeah. like it is it's the terminology for what 
for yeah. what a morale test is. And, and morale is the major one, you know, like the modifiers on morale is, is, is crazy these days. Like it really is. You really are like, you've got to, got to have your hand out and you're like, it's, it's on a five. It's on a, a six, lot of arithmetic, or it's yeah. on a six, you know, with, with plus two wounds for the, uh, you know, for the plus one for the hear me roar, plus one for the intimidating presence, minus one for your, for your, for your X, Y, Z, like, it's all over the place. It's up, down, up, down, up, down to get the I, final number. So the amount of times that somebody forgets something is 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 really common. I like it when you add up all those numbers and you get to something like a, so it's a like a plus one zero test. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Flat test. Basic morale. <laughs> um, uh, there says, uh, do you remind people about tokens on units? Um, generally speaking, I do, but that's just because I've yeah, seen I people. It, tokens can be missed um usually when things get moved around and i've i've had a game where i'm like i'm 90 percent sure you've had like a token on this unit and then when i've picked up some other tokens i've accidentally picked up another one like, yeah, even like friday i was picking some tokens up and putting them away and then my opponent said isn't there a vulnerable on that unit and i went yeah there should be and i realized there wasn't because it had been swept up uh, in other tokens um so doing things like that is is i think completely reasonable um Especially if it's like, as you say, they announce a token before you roll. Like, are oh, you weakened or vulnerable, panicked, whatever? Yeah. Um, I, I always ask. I, for one, always ask. Like, if there's a vulnerable on my unit, you hit me with four dice. Two of them are hits. Mm -hmm. um, and I block one. I'm like, even if it's just one and I don't think you're going to spend the vulnerable, I'll, I'll always ask, like, do you want to spend the vulnerable? It's up to you. But, but but distinctly, yeah. I'm not going to tell you that you're weakened before you declare a charge. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you activate a unit and say, I'm going to make a charge, I'll say, okay. And then, okay. And then yeah, I'll let sure. you roll your dice. And then I'll say, and I'll use that weakened, please. You know, again, it's like, it's open information. The token's right there. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go as far as, as far as a certain point. You know, if you attack me and I'm vulnerable, I will say, I'm going to use this vulnerable. I, I'm not like let you completely miss the existing token in that sense which is odd because i'll let you miss it in the sense that i'll let you perform an action which you might not have realized i have tokens to affect mm -hmm. i think the um the 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 actually other important one and i know carlo you don't necessarily always like it when i do this but i do fight feel that like taking through the steps like we talk about the maths there or like tokens when it comes to right i'm making this attack and you're vulnerable and weakened or whatever um I do feel that walking through the steps there also quite naturally means that triggers get covered. And that is actually one of my biggest things that I've seen more happen more recently. And it might just be with newer players or with players less familiar. But players will just say, like, I'll activate this unit, I'll do this, and then I'll do this. It's like, well, hmm. you can't just jump straight to the final result in all these things because the individual components of that pathway matter for different triggers. And it's little simple things like they'll say, right, I'll activate my unit. Um, and then they might do some test movements and things like that. I say, right, and I'll do my cavalry move here, then I'll do that. And they'll say, well, you start within long range. And traps is a good example of this because it's a, a kind of an awkward trigger timing. But it's like, well, I'm just going to give you minus one move or I'll do the hits to you. You have to do that first before you then do this next bit. Um, and I think a lot of people don't, realize that the, the kind of like the sequence of play should be narrated so that triggers can be then thrown in when they need to be uh, and not missed you know if we both yeah say... I, do, I do personally i find that i find that and i and i am personally willing actually to let my opponent give away more information than they should 
right? In terms of like, they effectively show me exactly what they're going to do. And and they'll be like, oh, can I like check a distance? Can I check some stuff? I'm like, yeah, sure. Do whatever you want. You want to, you want to, you want to show me exactly what move you want to make next? Fine by me. They, they go and show me the move and they're like, I'll do that. And I'll be like, uh, no, go back to where you were. It's like, by the way, I'm doing this. And, and they're like, oh, uh, but, uh, and I'm like, yeah, you checked. I let you check. You wanted to check your distances, but like the, when you now actually say, I'm going to activate and do this thing, you've now met the trigger, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I do, I mean, like that, again, that might borderline for, for some people that might be, you know, they might, might think that that is kind of like, you know, unfair. Uh, but to me, if they, if they, if a person needs that level of um, kind of pre-measurement, if they need to be, if they, if they need to check things constantly, to they're effectively showing their hand. I think yeah. you can you give away people. People even give away a lot of information. If you know a tactics deck incredibly well, a, a good example of this is you know, for example, the free folk deck, which I now know very well from uh, playing Mickey a lot. There are a lot of things which can be like units within short range, right? As soon as a person moves a unit and then they start checking whether or not that unit is within short range of other things, it gives me an idea that, okay, they may well have, they might have theirs too many, they might have, um, you know, surrounded and exposed. They start to give me information. And I think that people have gotten into a tendency of pre-measuring too much and not, uh, and that gives away a lot of information to somebody who's like really clued into what the cards do. As long as you understand what the requirements for that trigger are or what the requirements for the card are, if your opponent visibly shows you that they're trying to meet them, then they effectively just telegraph that they have this card. The key is if you measure Can be a bluff. Yeah. Can be a bluff. You measure everything. That's when things get really deep. If you just measure everything, uh, I, I have started doing this sometimes. I just like, I'll move a unit up and I'll be like, I'm pretty sure it's within six. So I'm just going to measure out six inches to this unit and be like, oh, look, there's coordination tactics. And then I'll be like, oh, and by the way, I'm just going to check this is six inches. And then this one over here is six inches. Then I eventually get to the thing that I actually wanted to check where I'm yes, like, yes. oh, there we go. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> um, yeah, because it, it gets into mind games that you don't necessarily want to give away your hand. So it's like, oh, all right, I'm measuring long, long range for issue commands, but I'm going to measure like, or four other things that I have no intention of doing just to try to throw the person off so they don't know what it is that I'm thinking of trying to pull off in the moment. Yeah, for sure. Evil Evil Sponge has had some great comments tonight. He was saying before uh, he can't control the dice, but uh, he has loaded sixes. So, so tell that to his loaded sixes. <laughs> um, and uh, he's going to need a poker hat and shades so he doesn't broadcast any of his tells. Uh, it is a thing. It is a thing. I have uh, I have a tell. I tend to activate an NCU on round one if I have uh, an sword in hand as a free folk player. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, yeah. I, I think it's interesting. And we all we all know we all know from Michael Schnall that that's not the best strategy. Yeah, march up the center. <laughs> march up the center. No, actually, actually, Let's march go. up the center can actually be really good sometimes. Uh, <laughs> I won't, won't even lie to you, I have stopped activating all my NCUs first and taking the tactics board because of the nature of certain things. Just because sometimes I'm like, I really want to get that trapper in long range of that unit before it does anything. <laughs> um, certainly true with all those kind of like passive effects. Um, but yeah. All right, awesome. Um, we've talked about Baratheons. We, we've not Talked, we talked about Lannisters last week. We can't talk about Lannisters again. Um, we've not talked about much else. I will 
quickly say um i've been playing some some start games i've been playing some lists that like psycho steve was running actually um uh probably into bad matchups as in like taking the wrong list into a matchup like taking brindon into feast for crows which i think is dumb brindon outrider uh I have a newfound respect for why Starks are as low as they are. Like, I actually thought they were good, and I still do think they're better than this ranking would suggest. I every, think Starks... Every faction, every faction yeah. is better than their ranking suggests, right? Like, every faction, when played really with well. its best commander and yeah. really good lists, is definitely better than its ranking suggests. The yeah. best a faction can do is not its average performance. And but, like you know, but even like you know, you know, the average earlier, you know I mean, that that Baratheons to yeah. Baratheons even to be in the discussion of in there with Targaryens and Free Folk as like premier factions is like, well, are they? You know, and yeah. and yet, I I don't think Greyjoys are that far behind. I don't think Starks are that far behind them. I, I don't think the Lannisters are that far off the pace when played the very best, but they're still definitely worse than all those things above them. The only one I still don't really have a gauge for is like just how bad neutrals are, and I just noticed that they are slipping lower and lower and lower. Yeah. Minus fifty-eight is actually pretty low now. They're nearly they're they're not quite there, but they are nearly a hundred points south of Night's Watch, um, which is not great. Um, but yeah, I, I have a newfound respect for how bad Starks are, though, as well. There's a lot of stuff in Starks where you think it looks good on paper, but you know, it really doesn't come to it when it comes to the game. You're just like, Sash, it's not actually good enough, or it doesn't have the right trigger that I want, or it's just not what I want to get from a card I'm spending resources to then try and activate. Stuff like that. Um, but I do think, you know, one of the worst factions, I do think, um, there's still game in them. There's still game in them. There's still game in every faction, which is the nice thing to see. And I do think, you know, we said it before, people say it before, it is certainly the most balanced the game has ever been, um, which I do think is true. Um, uh, how many factions do you play, Kurt? Um, I have every faction except for Night's Watch, technically. Um, I don't have every unit. I have the mm -hmm. starters for all of them, except for Night's what, what, Watch. What do you consider that you regularly play? I'd say... My main two are Baratheons and Lannisters. Um, I dabble lightly into like Greyjoys sometimes. Um, I plan on getting Dorne when they come out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I really, I really do genuinely believe that you cannot say that another faction is good unless you play it. Like, I, I really don't believe that until you've played a faction and like really like dominate. The only people who are allowed to say a faction is good other people who are dominant with it because i've i've looked at a lot of factions in the past you know i've looked at targaryens and i've thought god targaryens are so powerful like why aren't people just like absolutely dominating with targaryens and then i go and play them and i'm like you know when 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 you're in the driving seat like the deck's not as good as i thought it was i don't like the triggers as much as i liked you know i'm discarding a lot of this deck it's not as powerful as i thought and there's all these weaknesses that i didn't really see before I, I don't feel as comfortable playing it as I as I thought I would. When I looked at the list from the outside and the perspective of lists people are running, I'm like, God, how could you not win with this faction? Start to play it, and I'm like, hey, it's not that good. And then, you know, I have an idea about what I think, like, oh, Greyjoys, Greyjoys is so, like, 
But Greyjoys are way more powerful than Targs. Like, you know, like, how are they not above Targs? I think they're really, really good. Look, they can feel nine activations. You could do all this silly stuff with Victorian, like, all these things. And then I play it, and I'm like, hey, you know, like, I'm not saying I lose. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm like, I see why it's not dominant, you know? Like, I'm like, okay, now I see the other side of it. I feel the pressure. I don't feel in a commanding position. I feel like what I thought was just going to be an easy win is actually like a really hard fought game, really tough. And the deck again, nearly always it comes down to like the deck doesn't feel the same when you play it as when you see it on the opposite side of the table. And so I really do think that like you cannot, you're not allowed to say this faction that I don't play is is overpowered. You're allowed to say this faction that I play is overpowered. Yeah, like I play it because it's the best thing and I win with it and it's easy. You're allowed to say that, but you're not allowed to say, oh, this thing that somebody else has is OP. Because really, I think that as soon as you start using it, your perspective will change. And honestly, I mean, the only, it's, it's, it's 2021, not season one. But the only time that I've ever thought, God, that faction is like ridiculous. Like that's that's a joke. That's gonna be really, really powerful. And then I played it, was Night's Watch. And and I was like literally like a week later, I started playing it. I walked into a tournament. I was like, yep, that's as strong as I thought it was. Yep, that was a win. That was easy. Yep. Uh yeah, that's overpowered, guys. <laughs> and then I was just like, Well, you know, I'm not really interested in that. I'll stop playing it. And everyone suffered with that for nearly a year, didn't they? So <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I really was known. And I am interested to know, I, I'm interested to go back to Night's Watch to know where where the reality of it is now because obviously that specific list and those specific things that I was using were were nerfed into the ground. And I still think that the faction is strong, but I don't feel like I have the same position to sit there and say Night's Watch are, like, are OP, Night's Watch are the best faction. Because I'm not playing them, I'm not building lists with them, and I'm not feeling it from their perspective. That's definitely yeah. Uh, I agree to an extent, and I disagree to an extent. I think you can playing a faction obviously gives you a better feel for that faction and its pros and cons than just playing against it would. But playing against something, I feel like you can still say, "Hey, that's strong," or "Hey, that's weak." And there's mm-hmm. been kind of this, kind of this attitude that we have to like shy away from using certain terms that i just feel like didn't exist we're gonna say like when when 2021 updates were first coming out people didn't want to say buffs or nerfs just say buffs or nerfs say what you mean and mean what you say call a spade a spade and move on with it (laughs) so if something's overpowered it's overpowered and i don't feel like we have to shy away from I mean, like, if, if you're trying not to be hyperbolic, don't be hyperbolic and just yeah. measure your comments. But don't shy away from a term because bad voodoo or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do agree there. I mean, I can, I can fundamentally say there are things, like, for example, in Free Folk that are too strong. You know, and I have said that multiple times, be it here or in person or whatever, um, and I stand by those words. But I, when people talk about, you know, and this is one faction, it's not the only faction that gets it, uh, but when people start railing into it and you're like, yeah, but you, you've not, like, if they're, if it's that good, then this would be doing really well all the time, and it would be that simple. Um, and again, the only thing for me at the moment would be my only real concern in the game as it stands is 
the Night's Watch base deck, which has seen no changes after the the update, mm -hmm. which was mm -hmm. still very strong. And that's the one thing that yeah. like, I can speak to that I still just you know I played with that thing and mm. it was as strong as I thought it was going to be. Like yeah. you know, you just you pick up a card and you're like, oh that's good, and that one's good, and oh look, I'll play this one, and hey look, it still has an effect the next turn, and this is just getting easier and easier. Well, the, the 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 big thing for me, and I don't, I don't, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's amazingly compared, yeah, head and shoulders above the other decks. It probably is the best deck, but it doesn't mean it's like miles better. But the big thing for me is like, why do we have a deck that has a trigger? You know, for example, Shields is the best example I can think of. Um, it has a trigger when you roll defense dice, re-roll them, which. Balon has for expending a panic token. Uh, I think Arik has something similar. Uh, some other factions have very similar effects. But they have to spend resources or have a requirement. And they don't get a lingering buff. So it's just a straight up card comparison. Now I know you can't you can't do cross-faction comparisons, as they always say, yes, right? But of course you can. Yeah, of course you can. Exactly. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah. Funnily enough, when like... Two, two people get an identical attachment, except one of them has an extra ability, or one of them costs one point less than the other person's, even though they're identical. You can't help but compare those things. Yeah. And unless you're making the units or something else within the within the grand scheme of things not function, then, you know, <laughs> we made this thing better in this faction because this other thing is worse, and that's the trade-off. And it's like... Right, but there have to be trade-offs for yeah. that to actually make sense. <laughs> yeah, so if, if you're the Night's Watch and the devs straight out come out and say, oh, they have the best attachments because that's going to be part of their identity. Okay, well, where's the trade-off? Because they also have the best deck. Oh, they also have the best baseline units that get stronger with an attached card that they can stack infinitely on. They also have great commanders. They also have, yeah, you know, that's down the list. It's like, where's the drawback? And that's that's why I always say, Night's Watch aren't the real elite faction because they don't have the downsides that an elite faction would have, which you would think would be mm -hmm. maybe expensive units, so you can't run as many. Um, maybe they're slower. Oh, man, sounds like someone we know, doesn't it? <laughs> sounds like the elite faction that embodies elite is Baratheons. You not know, not hear the fact that Night's Watch is the only faction you don't own. Like, <laughs> oh, like, like, that's the thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Issues with this this one fact that like, this one faction, and it just so happens to be the only one you don't play. Like, do you know what I mean? Do you not? I I think that it's so coincidental. And like, I I do agree. I like if you ask me, hey, there's uh you know, U.S. Nationals is is this weekend. Game exactly in the state that it's in right now. Carlo, you want to win? What faction are you gonna play? My answer is I'll play Night's Watch. Even though I haven't practiced, I, I haven't played with Night's Watch this whole edition, I still think that my best chance is just picking them up this weekend and playing with them. I think they're the strongest faction. I still think personally that unless you're a Night's Watch player, yeah. you're not allowed to <laughs> you're not allowed to rag on the faction. You're not allowed you're not allowed to rag on other factions. I mean, I'm gonna say anything I want. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing that's important to note for all those Night's Watch players listening or you know for Hilo because he'll be listening in being like oh those guys bash Night's Watch again they're nowhere near as good as they were like we can succinctly say that 
they are not the absolute stupidity that was the previous edition where to put it bluntly if you were of equal skill you were probably just going to win a game because you picked the faction uh, and you had to build a list um they're nowhere near that that like polar as they used to be um so you know we say that they're inverted commas op they're really not overpowered they just happen to be the best um but yeah go on, go. I, I do want to add on as a as a qualifier that for all my distaste for the faction i do feel really terrible for the night's watch players who have either felt like they don't want to be that guy they don't want to run the strongest stuff and they feel like maybe like if the, as if they can't play the stuff that they've paid money for you know their hard-earned money to buy these units paint them up put their heart and soul into them and then to feel like the bad guy on the block that's you know that's not where we want the players to be so that comes to, that comes back to you know we need to balance the faction I do think there's actually a lingering hangover with that as well. You know, like part, partly in, including like my own perception and stuff like that. You know, I haven't actually played the faction since it was ridiculous. And when I played it, I played the ridiculous stuff because I wanted to experience it as as I believed it was in its strongest form. Um, and, and when it was as strong as I believed it was, I um, I, I put it down. My only experience with them is during this period when they're, they're hyper, hyper powerful, um, and it still warps my view of what they are now. Even though they aren't that that list which I ran is is not just not even legal anymore. You know that's not that that list doesn't do the same thing. It still warps my view of how powerful the faction is. So I should I should go and play them before making a really you know strong kind of forming a really really strong opinion about how powerful i think that they are but in my mind they are still the faction that i would default to if you know how how are you going to win this event like what what's what's your best chance i don't know yeah I don't really know what to say after that. <laughs> I am, I am gone. Gone. I have played Night's Watch twice, <laughs> so there's my license to kill or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I, I played and, Night's Watch. And yeah, Ilya's right. I don't actually. I I have I have no problems playing the most powerful thing in the game. Like, yeah, don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Like, I don't think people should hamstring themselves. No, you know, no. run run what you want to run and run what you feel is best and go kick some butt. Yeah. I challenge myself to, to to play lower rated factions, less powerful, less less good factions. But when I do it, I'm I'm you know, I don't bring a bad list. I still look at that faction and I go, what is the very best thing that I could possibly play? Like, how can I make this faction as good as it possibly can? That is the challenge that I always bring myself. And if I've chosen to play a top tier faction, I'm not gonna stop saying, How can I make this faction as good as possible? That is always the challenge that I set myself. My challenge is to get the most from the faction that I possibly can. Um, and and, it, and if I happen to be playing something that can achieve a lot, then I'll achieve a lot and I'll achieve as much as I can. Uh, so that's just my mindset, though, you know, and I, and I, uh, I don't apologize for it. 
<laughs> yeah, last last year at nationals, um, I I told you I played in the Mother of Dragons, and so like the whole time the guy was like apologizing to me, yeah. like, oh, I'm sorry, it's just you know it's nationals. I'm like, dude, you don't have to apologize to me. Like, yes, it was miserable get watching my units get obliterated, but it's like I I'm not I, I don't believe in like shaming another player for the list they bring, even if it's a list that's not fun to play into. Like, it's part of the game. Um, and people shouldn't be shamed for playing strong stuff. Like, run what you want to run, do the best you can with it. All, all the power to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Run what you want. That's why I'm never, I'm never gonna stop playing free fake. There's no way I can stop playing free fake. I fucking love playing. Uh, I'll play other factions as well, of course. But it doesn't matter how good or bad they are. I will always play them. Um, because. It's the only army that Maybe I actually... I can't say the same for Lannisters. You... Well, the difference is, Carlos, you literally collect everything and play everything. And because you don't play on TTS anymore, you'll play it physically. If I play another faction, I'll just play it on TTS because that's my chance to try it out. There's a reason I'm, like, have... I now own Greyjoys, you know, and I've got the hero boxes, got everything. Once I'm done playing Free Folk physically and can be asked magnetizing tons of Greyjoy trays because uh, I ain't... Uh, Lesson one of playing physically, as Carlo recognized the other week when he was playing Greyjoys, the biggest pain in the fucking ass is putting shit back in boxes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, never, I never thought I'd say, that, that, like, honestly, the, the worst part of this game is looking at this unit of, uh, I've got here and realizing I have to box 12 models and a tray into specific areas in a box every time I want to play it. The moment I've got a tray magnetized, and I don't give a, a Carlo knows me, I don't paint fast enough, and I don't paint well enough to actually warrant it. But like, I'll play with something unpainted as long as it's fucking magnetized. <laughs> I cannot be. Yeah, fun. I, played, uh, I played. I played. Greyjoys, uh, I played Greyjoys <laughs> for the first time. I brought a nine activation like archer trapper reaver kind of spam thing going on. Um. 60, maybe even 72 models on the board, and none of them were magnetized. This is the first time I've used a non-magnetized army for a long time. Two and a half years. Yeah. Um, and I played the game. I enjoyed playing with Greyjoys. It was fine. It was enjoyable. And at the end of it, I was like, nope, not playing this army until it's magnetized. Simple as. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <laughs> not, not again. Never again. <laughs> Yeah, that's going back in the box until the magnets arrive. <laughs> the funny, the funny thing is, is that the last, I believe, the last time that Carlo played an unmagnetized army was before he'd fully finished his Targaryens, where he had like eight models on the board, so it didn't fucking matter. <laughs> um, so you know, oh god, magnetized, certainly for infantry. Jesus Christ, it makes a difference. Um, anyway, there it is. Uh, before we uh, run through the the tournaments for the week, Kurt, is there anything else you'd like to go through and discuss? Oh, jeez. Uh, well, um, I can certainly relate to having a mountain stuff I need to paint that I'm behind on. Never make as much progress as you want. Mm-hmm. I, I started hedge nights yesterday, and uh, you you might have misheard me. I did not do the whole box. I did one guy. <laughs> and that one guy is still not finished. So. <laughs> I, I I painted up a Lannister crossbowman. Yeah. Does that count? Hey, progress, buddy. Progress. <laughs> I mean, he says with like a, an army of free folk attachments <laughs> and other things here to paint. And I painted up a Lannister crossbowman. There you go. Who wants um, to paint another raider? 
correct answer. Nobody. Nobody wants to paint another fucking raider. Uh, I hate painting them so much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not even going to lie. I'm not even going to lie. I really fucking enjoyed painting the uh, the back of the breastplate of a Lannister Guardsman. Uh, sorry, a Lannister Crossbowman today, like, last night. Because I'm like, I get to paint metal and make it look like, like a breastplate. and then, I never get to do this with Free Folk. <laughs> it's actually a different thing. Otherwise, it's just brown, brown, brown. Oh, no. Anyway. Beige, um, brown. Beige. beige oh, there's a bit of green. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, so, I have got one last thing that's on the hobby side that we seem to have randomly ended up being on. Uh, we have this. Uh, this picture here, which is not just one. This is a, a whole army of stuff, not just one model or one unit. Uh, this is uh, Piojo's stuff that he won Best Army, Best Painted Award with. Um, and as a guest, Kurt, uh, I would like you to rate rate the overall picture itself and, of course, the uh, this stuff inside it. What, what I love it. I love, his, I love his basing, too, on the trays. I think the basing is actually than... really nice. More than I've done with mine, I've I've done like grass and mud, like basic. But mm -hmm. gosh, it's, it's it puts my painting to shame. I'll say that much. I'll give it a ten to average out Carlo's zero. So. That seems reasonable. And then Carlo, just to confirm, you've seen these before, right? Seems something similar. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if yeah. we saw them finished, uh, but we've not seen the uh, Champions of Stag. I don't think. I think mm -hmm. the uh, the white on the Champions of Stag is actually a really nice touch. I mm -hmm. do. I like it. I think, I think they look pretty bling. <laughs> they look pretty pimp. It's like uh, an off-white, too. It's like a like an eggshell or something. Yeah, just yeah. ever so slight. It's really good. I, I quite like the... I like the white champions of the stack. I do. Yeah, really, really great zeros. Great zeros. <laughs> there you go. Just to confirm. For people who, uh, who, who don't like that part of the show, you get it anyway. Right, um, so... Uh, tournament's coming up. Obviously, we talked briefly, uh, and we'll mention it again, uh, the Kansas City... Uh, event that's coming up in June eleventh. Uh, is that right, or is it twelfth? I can't remember. June eleventh. Uh, Kansas right. City. Uh, well, yeah. it's like the Kansas City Regional, but it's in Overland Park. Which mm -hmm. Kansas City? It's just a big sprawl. If you ever played Civ, instead of building tall, it's like building wide. So it's just like there's no space in between these cities. They all just merge together, and it's, it's on the is, Kansas side. Is Kansas? If you fly in, if you fly in, you'll land on the Missouri side because Kansas City straddles two states so it's like half in one state half in the other state is, 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 are, are you invading another state slowly with kansas <laughs> are we, are we? Um, yeah it's like it push comes to shove more of kansas city is in missouri than it is in kansas yes wow so, there we go that's how they... rivers work people <laughs> well they invade state lines no <laughs> um oh. All right, so yeah, the Kansas City event happening, not in really Kansas, but Missouri, uh, or, or maybe it is in Kansas. No, in, in, in Kansas, oh, yes. it is in, yeah. It's in Kansas. Yeah. Uh, is that the Missouri part of Kansas, or the... No. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, anyway, um, it is in the... Uh, in Kansas City, in Kansas, in on the 11th of uh, June, um, which I'm hoping goes really well for yourself, of course, Kurt. Of course, yeah. Kurt. Um, but between now and then, this weekend coming up, uh, it's actually a bank holiday weekend in the UK again. So I've got, uh, you know, I forget when bank holidays are, which is really stupid because I always have them off and I'm always surprised, which is really nice. Um, but we've got on this weekend, we have got the Battle of Zalanza happening uh, in Zalanza, Warsaw, Poland. Um, 
we've got uh, the first sort of Daventry happening in Daventry, UK. Is this the starter box one, Carlo? Or is this the mm -hmm. other? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. The... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the 30-point uh, starter box yeah. event. Um, which you're going down to, right? Uh, no, unfortunately, uh, no, not able to. Ah, sadness. You were going to, right? And then had to pull out, I'm guessing? Or no? I can't remember. We were um, hoping to. We were just yeah. Um, but anyway, so that's going ahead. Really hope that goes really well. Uh, obviously, to the Tane and the guys down there uh, in the kind of like really, I'm going to call it resurgence or the growth of the Daventry Club that we've seen over the last six months has been great. Um, so I really hope that goes well. Um, we've got uh, New Jersey regional qualifier happening this weekend at Mythicos Studios in New Jersey. Um, didn't fancy making the trip over there, Kurt, just on the off chance that you didn't get the, the qualifier from Fab? To New Jersey? <laughs> <laughs> I think my budget allowed for Vegas and then Pittsburgh as well because mm -hmm. flights were kind of cheap. But I've always really wanted to try one of those starter box tournaments. You should run your own. We'll, have to throw, we'll throw one of those locally, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah are, you, are you allowed to? Are you allowed to put those kind of requirements on your own Kansas City <laughs> qualifier? <laughs> I think it's too late for By that way, one. Guys, starter box only. Starter box only. <laughs> And then, and then we, we have Kurt back on the show in like six months. And he's like, oh, so which starter didn't you own again? Remind us, Kurt. He's like, oh, no, I own them all. Yeah. <laughs> huh. That's a suspicious thing going on. Uh, anyway, um, we've also got uh, Training Grounds, uh, an event happening in the Sacramento region of California happening this weekend as well. Um, so that's happening on the Saturday through to, I'm guessing, the Monday. So a three-day event. I'm going to check this one out. I didn't see a three-day event before on the site. Um, seven players through a 30-point no, I mean, event. Uh, oh, wow, yeah. Wait, it, yeah, it does go through to the Monday, technically. Yeah, it does. 30-point event, uh, probably run by, I'm guessing, uh, Trash Panda's going, so I'm guessing the likes of um, Carl and West Coast will probably be there, or at least representing so i don't know if that's being run by carl but it is hammerhead games uh who've who carl's done some stuff with before but that's awesome um just uh oh a team it will be a six by four it's a team event it's two 30 point you get matched up with another 30 point list to play a team event uh it's only one mm. day but carl carl put the dates in wrong that makes more sense carl <laughs> um <laughs> uh <laughs> blame carl but yeah uh no it's, that's the um the uh 30 point it's a 60 point game but you pay 30 points for for two players uh getting matched up together which is um interesting and you get different players each round that mixed it up just to really mix it up and see what happens fun event i think i think an event like that could be just really good fun so um we've also got happening uh another event in uh wisconsin washington washington tacoma washington uh at bloodlines of hate a 30 point event there uh, great to see. I think I've seen the Terracrux Games guys running events before, but it's great to see them um, again running another event. There's a, a club tournament happening in Gaming Figures uh, around my neck of the woods um, on the Sunday. Um, that's yeah, that's this weekend as well. Uh, so that's gonna be great. We've got uh, another event happening in Marietta, uh, GA. Is that Georgia? I don't know my state abbreviations. I'm guessing it's Georgia. GA, yeah. Uh, Marietta, Georgia, a uh, gigabytes tabletop there. And that's it for this week. Uh, wow, that's tons. How many is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven events again. We're consistently getting six or seven or eight events every week now. Jesus. Mm -hmm. 
which is fantastic. That's really, really, really strong, isn't it? You know, that's 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 three hundred events over the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it was actually um, super interesting because someone had posted something on Facebook, something about like um number of events that have been run and how data was collected on events versus casual games and that whole discussion. Um, and I actually did look at the tournaments, the Hall of Champions. Um, do you know how many events we've got in the Hall of Champions without checking? Up your head. Two hundred and ten. Spot on. Spot on exactly two hundred and ten. Literally spot yeah, on. Yeah, that's not a joke. Two hundred and ten people in the Hall of Champions. Se- semi cheat. Semi cheat. I knew the other day that it was two hundred. Actually looked when it was two hundred. The two ten was a guess. But uh yeah, okay. I did actually know there were two hundred events so- at some point. I'm not gonna lie. The only the actual way I searched this is I uh, I loaded up the Hall of Champions and just typed in winner <laughs> because it appears after every name and it comes out. Actually, yeah. you're wrong because I think one of them's just been closed. I think the Orcs jousting event uh, must have just closed since the start of Tourney Grounds. It's now 211. Maybe maybe, maybe somebody <laughs> called Winner is the winner of one of the events, and then I could be right. Um, I, I'm not going to check. <laughs> there's, there's 210 11 events there that I can't be bothered. But yeah, uh, so so clearly, uh, Presidente at Orcs Jousting um, has just closed their event to ruin my day. There are actually two. Obviously, you know, on the same point, you know, there was there was another six events or so run at the weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. There was there was a um, Rocket City qualifier um, that was won by Lucas Aurelius. Uh, so he will be presumably picking up that Nationals qualifier spot. Um, they, it's a relatively small event, didn't make it just the one qualifying spot, so uh, assume, I assume that's going to go to him. Um, there was also the quite interesting um, Weekend Warfare TTS event, mm-hmm. uh, which was, of course, um, a TTS event, but run in the more traditional tournament format of playing I think eventually four games for the finalists uh, yep. run over two days. Uh, I believe the final was the um, Jacob Glace versus uh, versus Skunk and uh, Skunk with his um, free folk taking the win. Yeah, the what's kind of exciting and interesting about this event is that it is one of the highest rated events that's actually been running quite a long time. Uh, the player quality. While the ten player number is quite low, the the player quality at an average of sixteen twelve is 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 really really high. You know most events are significantly below that as their average. Um, so you know, it tries to give perspective that like bigger doesn't always mean mean better in these events, and there's a lot of very high quality players in there. Yeah, it's. Uh, I saw. I actually saw parts of the final game. I didn't see the whole thing, but uh, uh, he actually ran the Magnum Mighty list in the last game and won. Um, wow! Oh yeah, but he was, but he was playing against Jacobs Lannisters, and uh, uh, Jacob said it himself. He played badly. He fed his fa- he fed his flayed men into raiders in the hopes that he would kill them, and then giants came over and kicked the shit out of flayed men. <laughs> and once the flayed men go for the Lannister player, there ain't much left that deals with the dragons, yeah, uh, the no. uh, the giants. There's no plan B. There's no plan <laughs> no, B. That, no, that, that's for sure. And Mag, when there's no plan B, and I tell you, the, the one thing that I fucking love about Mag, when there's no plan B for your opponent and their plan A doesn't work, Mag really kicks in into high gear and goes, oh, stompy stomp time. <laughs> uh, he's so polar. It's How about really... um, welcome yeah. to 2022? We must be getting almost to the end of that. Yeah, um, we are. Yeah. 
We've still, got uh, still undefeated uh, in that one mix. Yeah, yeah. There's three, so three players up for contention as it stands. Uh, Jacob played against Bob earlier today, um, and Jacob came down with the win against Bob. Um, so that puts us at myself and Wop, who <laughs> who are going to play later this week, um, and Jacob, who is. Uh, undefeated currently as well who's been submarining his way up um so the winner of mine and wop's game will go on to face jacob to uh the winner of that game next week will be the winner of the event um we'll see we'll see what happens um i plan to continue kicking people's heads in <laughs> to put it nicely um and you know hopefully i'll uh i'll be so either a free folk stark or a lannister stark uh, final there. That's yep. uh, really interesting with a gain, a really, really high level of uh, player entry. Mm-hmm. Um, so interesting to see them performing at that level. No no Baratheons, which is actually an interesting break from the norm. You know, we've seen Baratheons dominating all over the show recently. Mm-hmm. Been all the hype. Uh, but... The highest Baratheon is, is Suista, who I believe is at uh, one, one loss, three one wins. Three. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Over four. You know, he's still got a uh, fifth game to go. Um, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, like uh, there were not many Brathians doing that well in the event. Let's just have a quick look at the stats without going into the whole thing. There are 18, 18% of the entry. So yep. there we go. And they're currently a win rate mm. 29%. Ouch. Mm-hmm. Ouch. Um, also, the yes. TTS qualifier kicked off uh, oh, just God, yeah. earlier this week. Uh, it also has a really, really high um, entry, um, average entry. Mm-hmm. Um. You basically, uh, we've gone. We we almost ended up at thirty-two. Ended up with twenty-nine. So three players got buys, including Mickey. Uh, it's a seeded knockout event, um, and we've seen. Uh, I think three games have gone on so far. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, going back to this idea of uh, perceptions about players, so far, one hundred percent of games have gone to seed. So whatever the seeding said was the player who was going to win have won so far. I'd be really interested to know how how long that holds for. Even some of the players who are very similarly rated, very little difference in their seeding. They've all still gone to the higher rated player so far. Um, I'd be interested to know just like how how much these seedings hold out and whether or not we see any really big upsets. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm really really looking forward to uh, seeing these games play out. Uh, Get and sit and watch uh, one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's wicked. That's cool. Um, we'll check in with that as well. So yeah, uh, obviously we'll come talk about that uh, at some of the later date. And then we've also got um, uh, a special mention to Scabman um, and uh, the guys over there uh, who uh, I'm going to give a sneak peek are going to be on next week. I think is the hope. Um, so we have Scabman and uh, Luke from the store that they play at um, uh, on next week as guests to talk about what the events they're running and all the charity stuff that they're doing and all the other bits and bobs. And of course the Welsh nationals that's happening in the, uh, in the, the Welsh GT that's happening in the UK later this year as well. <sighs> there we go. We're done for the week. We're done. We're nearly, we're under three hours. I haven't eaten too much into your time. Have I today, Kurt? Oh no, I took the day off. So. Good. <laughs> that's yeah, my yeah. schedule for you boys. <laughs> um, uh, obviously, anyone playing games, I really hope everything goes well. Uh, what are you, what's your next thing that you're looking forward to aside from the Kansas City event? Have you got anything else planned, Kurt? You even just playing some weekend games or going down to the store? Or yeah, I'm I'm the community ambassador at our 
friendly local game store. So um, we play, we have weekly game nights where we play casually or give demos to new people that are looking to play. So anyone in the Kansas City area, the metropolitan area, um, swing on by Tabletop Game and Hobby. We play every Wednesday around 6 o'clock in the evening. Um, yeah, if anyone ever wants to get a game and hit us up, happy to have you. Um, we have beer. So there's like a cafe area. So get, get some booze and have a good time. Beers, beers, and, beers and games? Who doesn't want to do Beers that? and games, yeah. That's, that's literally combo. what the London GT is, beers and games. So, uh... Hell yeah. <laughs> uh... Sounds fantastic. No, honestly, brilliant. Um, and thank you very much for coming on as well and taking the time out to, to come and talk to us. Um, and yeah. If... Thank you for having me. Nice. I had a great time. If you need me back for Rathian's Hero Box 3 and 4, hit me up. <laughs> oh, what makes you think they'll ever get released? Anyway. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Any last words from yourself, Carlo, or can we sign off? No, just these, these, these events flying past. Gamers Haven, 21st. Also, the Italian Nationals. I forget if we've talked about it. They're both in about three weeks' time yeah, now yeah. or something like that, maybe four weeks' time. Honestly, check them out. Both events are looking spicy as fuck. Um, the Italian one got players coming in from France, coming in from Spain. Sunday Slaughter, their qualifier, I know, is still getting people coming in from out of state. It's going to be another four-player qualifier, I'm sure. Uh, check them out. It'll be good, good, good events. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for, for tuning in yet again for another uh, nearly three hours of chat today. Thank you very much for Kurt for joining us. Um, and, of course, Kurt's cat. Uh, he really yes. is the, uh, the evil mastermind of the US. <laughs> hey. cats to feed That's what sitting on the desk means. Animals are great. It's it's a shame that she's not sat there today, but, you know, usually this seat has got a dog in it. So, um, yeah. Uh, thank you very much for everyone who tunes in. Uh, thank you very much for Kurt. And, again, Thank you very much to Carlo for being here and, and keeping the site running and uh, doing little things like adding things in that haven't even been released yet. <laughs> anyway, guys, have a great week. Enjoy your games and we'll see you next time. Ready, aim, release. Anyone see my mammoth?